and welcome to another podcast. Um, I'm your host, Bridgeburner, and this is Burning Bridges with said Bridgeburner. And today we have uh, one Tristan Clark um, on um, on with us. So how's it going? Hello. Um, yeah, I'm good. It's uh, good to be here. <laughs> no, it's um, it's uh, yeah. We're looking forward to having you on. Actually, um, you've been on the show. Uh, technically a couple of times before this, um, and uh, always enjoyed chatting to you. You've got some, some unique perspectives with your kind of multi, multi-talented uh, kind of uh, portfolio, and um, that's probably where I, that's where I wanted to start first. You know, you're, you're known for your composition uh, skills, obviously, um, very uh, very experienced um, with making music, but you, you know, you're also uh, a fairly accomplished mapper. Um, it's damning a fake way slightly. <laughs> that came out worse than I expected, than I planned. <laughs> I think it's more that people don't know that you are also um, a talented um, level designer and, and have some, yeah, some pretty big uh, works under your belt. But what I wanted to talk, it's like, what came first? What what did you start with um, you know, on your creative journey? Uh, well, I started with mapping, uh, actually. Um, so... Even before I came to Doom, like I started messing with uh, like Duke Nukem 3D modding. Um, my, condol- my, my condolences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in at the deep end there, really. Mm. Um, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, but like this was like um, 2011 or something, and it was like I sort of set out on my first project with that, which was like um, I was gonna. <laughs> you know, try and recreate the like ultimate Doom iWorld in Duke Nukem because you know, original <laughs> idea. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're if you're that age, that seems like a good idea. You well, know? It's, um, it's an established tradition, like recreating another game in a in a, a modding engine. It's like, ah, oh, I'm going to take this other thing that I love and put it in this other thing that I love. And I think, yeah, it is. Yeah, not, yeah. Not a, bad, not a bad place to start, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. I suppose that's right, really, because it helps me to like. Um, you know, I was able to sort of like get to grips with how everything works without having to like worry about uh, making my own like layouts or anything. Um, I think I got. To, I think I actually managed to do like all of episode one. That's quite a bit. Of, uh, <laughs> Doom. I, I mean, none of it was any good, mind you. But like, um, but yeah. But then um, I came to the Doom community in 2012, and I um, did a couple of maps. Um, for a community project, uh, only one of those got re- uh, got released, um, and then I switched to music the next year, and that sort of just took over because mapping. I mean, we'll probably come to this later, but like mapping just didn't um, really take off for me. Didn't um, didn't, didn't gel and, like, perfectly. Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, like I've always had some kind of weird relationship with mapping and with music I was able to actually like make things um so that ended up just taking over and um yeah I'm fine with that <laughs> I think I think yeah. the world is uh fine that you've blessed us with your uh, your composition <laughs> so did you get into writing first like with like um like a midi writer or did you pick up an instrument uh first no I started um playing the keyboard when I was about I think two years old um <laughs> I got like a like a that tiny, a lot. <laughs> I like a, yeah, yeah. I got like a tiny keyboard thing for my second birthday. I think that's awesome. Um, and you know, like I never took lessons or anything, um, so I'm maybe not as uh, good as one might expect for playing that long. But uh, I, I didn't know what a chord was until like ten years later or something. <laughs> but, um, like, you know the thing yeah, you've been doing I, the whole time. That's called a chord. <laughs> <It's> like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just had the keys no, to something. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I just like um, I would just like play like random notes. It was like, oh no, I like I had some sense of melody, but but yeah, um, no. So <laughs> I, yeah, so no, I started playing keyboard when I was like uh, two, and then I took up bass at the age of eleven. Uh, and then because would you say would you because uh, I, I always knew of you as a bass player first would you say that's your primary instrument or because like watch, yeah definitely watching you play you seem pretty fucking good at everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, bass is my I consider bass my main. Like yeah. keyboards, seconds, then guitar and everything else like down last. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. Uh, see, with um. With keyboard, like I sort of, sort of fell off of it for a few years, and only like even now I don't play that often. Whereas with bass, um, I, I I try to practice every day. It <laughs> doesn't really happen anymore, but um, bass has always been a lot more consistent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So I started um, I started like messing with like trying to write my own things. Um, Probably around uh, like 2011 kind of time, but um, I only did like a few very basic things using like the keyboard accompaniments um, that were built in and everything. So yeah, it was when I, it was only really when I came to the Doom community and discovered like the MIDI formats mm. that I actually started to write music because that opened it up a lot more for me. Yeah, it's just so accessible, isn't it? Like um, the whole. MIDI concept, it's a single program there's, I, don't, I, yeah. I don't know what it was like in 2011 but certainly these days um, like there's good free tools um, that, that you can mm. use if it's like oh, I want to start writing music, like bang, here's the kaiju um, you know, get stuck in yeah. and you don't have to really, you don't have to know too much music theory to like you say, just like kind of start throwing notes down that sound good together and see what comes out and put a drum beat underneath well, I, yeah, see I didn't know any music theory when I started and only like in the last few years I'd say like my music theory has actually expanded well you did study it um, <laughs> yeah 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 that's um yeah yeah coming to uni definitely helped me um to because uh, I did a music degree for people who don't know hmm. um finished now as well that's definitely yeah finished yeah. um Unfortunately, I kind of wish I was still doing it. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the working. Um, welcome to the working world. This is the rest of your life. Get fucked. <laughs> <sighs> for the people listening, um, for the people who will only be listening to it, Eris's face just said it all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, what was I saying? So uh, yeah, no, like the I think the beauty of um, like the MIDI format is that it allows you to focus on compositional elements, mm. like just getting down like a good composition, uh, compositionally strong piece of music without having to worry about mixing, mm. production, all that bullshit. Because that is like a whole other world, basically. Yeah, and like um, you know, uh, if you're writing it with a you know out there in the, the real world um, and trying to like lay all the resistance with the MIDI, you can just like I'm just gonna pick one. And put these notes together, and you might fuck some shit up. You might do some, you know, wrong compositional things, but it's mm. doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's also easy to go back and fix. So if you get someone who does know their stuff, and they listen, go, this sounds really good, but these two notes aren't the same key or whatever, um, or this chord doesn't work with these ones for whatever whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. You could just oh, just move that along and up and down and shift it around, and and yeah, it's just so easy to go like a like a map. Um, go back and edit it 
um, rather than having to re-record your play on an instrument on the guitar or on the keyboard or whatever to go okay fuck I've got to go play this whole thing again because I, I screwed up a section um, and it's it's that experimentation ability I think that um, makes um, any kind of creative process more enjoyable um, you know in the sense it's quite similar to mapping and you're like oh, I'm going to draw something here and oh, I don't like that I'll move this line around or change this fight or delete this section and rebuild and like with a MIDI you can do exactly the same thing over time I've sort of learned like I'm not entirely above cheating like if I mess up like one note in a solo or something I will just fucking go back and correct that one note that's true these days just record it just like just like, do that. <laughs> I don't no. have time for this shit <laughs> no single none of this single take bullshit what, you, what am I an artist <laughs> Yeah, like I, 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 like I try and keep it like as real as I can, um, because I don't like the idea of cheating. But sometimes, oh, like, every it's, it's just not, about every, it, it's, sometimes it's sometimes it's just not worth it. And I mean, every every album does it. Every song you <laughs> listen to has like some level of studio magic on it, anyway. So. Yeah, there are a couple of couple of bands and albums that I can think of that are like single take recordings, and it's insane that you know dads could do that <laughs> they're that good and um when they can pull it off it's got this sort of like, like lovely organic nature to it but um mm. yes yeah, like 0.1 percent of albums will actually have you know that kind of yeah single take straight through no tweaking of uh no auto tuning of anything at the end of the day um, mm. so um you know you, you briefly touched on that you started with with duke 3d um and but moved to doom relatively quickly and we will talk about your your love hate relationship with mapping uh, a bit later on. Um, so park that, parking that that uh, that saga to one side. Um, why why Doom and why still why why still Doom? Like why why have you stayed, especially for someone who has had a a, a troubled mapping career? Um, why are you still actually you know relatively attached to the Doom community? Um. Mainly because I like the community, um, or at least like the parts of it that I've uh, like been involved with over the years. Mm -hmm. um, because like, I don't like like in the last few years, like my interest in Doom itself has even kind of disappeared. But mm -hmm. I'm like so like deeply attached to the community now. It's like I couldn't. I don't think I could ever actually leave, um, even if I like never touched Doom again. Mm -hmm. um, but um, even like, even like before the community though, like Doom was always like one of the games that I just like always came back to um, over and over again. I grew up with the PlayStation version, and mm. you're a big fan of that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I love PlayStation Doom. It is the <laughs> Doom for me. Um, and for eleven for like eleven years or so, like that was the only uh, version I knew. I didn't know you could actually uh, get Doom on right. the. PC and um, yeah, oh, man, just, I love PlayStation Doom. <laughs> I just, I can just feel the what, feel your, your face just your face just lit up. I can feel the enthusiasm. It's great. <laughs> yeah, uh, like imagine like my surprise like after ten years and discovering there were new secret levels yeah. I've never seen before. What's this fortress of mystery? <laughs> like back then, I was amazed by it. Crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow, what are this? Uh, um, it's cool when you when you have that, you know, both that like kind of cloistered experience that you can look back on fondly, but then your horizon expands, and that's also a good moment. You know, you find oh shit, there's all this extra content, like other port on the on the computer. Oh, you can make new yeah, stuff. Oh, this, yeah, this like it was crazy. Like I was just like, 
um, on like YouTube in 2009 or something and just like finding, oh my god, like Plutonia <laughs> has 32 levels. <laughs> yeah. What's this? There's a Plutonia 2. What's this monster in Archfile? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like, I was watching, um, I used to watch like uh, Tats of Kakakako's uh, UV Maxes. I was just like amazed by like how many fucking like, expansions there were. Because he had like all sorts of stuff like community chests, alien vendetta, I think hell of Eld. <laughs> oh, like even even back even back then there was just like almost limitless content. I mean, more maps yeah. than you could ever play in a lifetime kind of thing. And it's yeah. the same thing for me. Actually, what got me back into to certainly do mapping uh, a few years ago was watching those those YouTube videos. By you know, Tatsuki Kakakaka was one of them, and um, mm. they they are great to watch. Just watching. You know, particularly if you was like, oh, what's this new thing that I haven't seen before? Also, here's a really talented runner, you know, blazing through mm. it as well in a very, very satisfying manner. Um, yeah, they're great, those, uh, those videos. His yeah. Max of um, Hunted was like one of the ones that really stuck out to me because mm. I've never seen an Archvile before. <laughs> yeah, uh, <that's> just a... <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's probably a good jumping off uh, point to the next question, actually. So, uh, this, is a, this is a bit of a. A bit of a, a non a blase question. This is a pretty. Uh, I, I almost I felt embarrassed writing it down, but I actually I actually genuinely interested in your answer. But do you do you have any favorite Doom maps apart from PSX Doom? We'll put that over there on the pedestal. Um, but you know, favorite. not so much wads, but like individual things that have really yeah stuck out in your mind over the years as and you keep coming back to. Um, you know, even if you don't play it that much, just in your head. Um, For me, like. I mean, we are going back a few years now for like, so I guess they're like old favorites for me, but the, it's like Genesis Map 10, mm. um, Resurgence Map 31 is another one that springs to mind. Um, uh, oh, Christ. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is um, this is pretty like biased but tnt revolution map 12 um <laughs> the reason for like all of these is because of like their atmospheres yeah it's gonna say what was what's the um, what links them together for you like why do you like them and yeah is it is it the atmospheric preservation yeah, is it gameplay or is it yeah yeah like i don't know like atmosphere is almost i wouldn't say i hold it above gameplay because you know obviously like Amazing atmospheric map can still play terrible. Yeah, if it's not fun to play, and that's it's kind not of fun. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to. So, like, you do need both, but for me, like, atmosphere is just like so important. And I think like those maps that I mentioned are like, really strong in that regard. Mm. I shouldn't have mentioned Revolution. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like, um, yeah. No, the Genesis and Resurgence maps in particular are definitely um, very top tier for me. Both with Stew Boy midis, uh, mm. incidentally. Do you reckon the Do you reckon the music plays part of it? Um, yeah, like, definitely yeah. for those. Um, actually, Stew Boy's midi on the Resurgence map is probably one of my all time favorite midis. He's very talented. Morning. Um, so, can, like, as someone who is very visually driven, um, uh, I can definitely agree. Like, yeah, there's a there's a point where gameplay detracts too much. As, okay, this is just not fun to play. It's it's boring and grindy or or, or too or unbalanced or whatever. But once you reach a certain threshold of quality, um, okay, the gameplay is is decent. And then once you hit that kind of point, for me, yeah, you can really carry a map through other design elements like like atmosphere and um, you know um, scene mm. setting and yeah, that holistic folding in the music into it as well. Um, yeah, I think um, 
you know, even even like some of that Death Vault Two's Unholy Cathedral, which does have some pretty pretty decent gameplay. Um, you know, it's, it's for me because that is my all-time favorite map. It, it's those opening scenes where you walk in and there's the big organ in front of you and the like, the intricate layers of the crypts off to one side and the, like, all those visual concepts just pop. Um, and mm. you know, it's the, whenever I think about what do I like, it's like, oh yeah, that that that's always top of the top of the mind. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, like, I think it's very sort of natural that I would tend to like more towards these maps because obviously coming from PlayStation Doom, it's um, it's a very it's a very like more atmospheric based take on the iWods. Very much so. Um, and I think people who like value like gameplay above everything else like so highly probably I know I can see why like PlayStation Doom might not appeal to them. Mm. Because, like, even, like, I mean, playing with a controller aside, like, it's probably an easier version of the game. Like, everything's slower because of, like, technical limitations. Like, yeah. revenants are just... Because um, what did you... Could, so, have you played Doom 64? Uh, not yet. <laughs> it's, I, think, um, I think you'll it's like her- it. It's- yeah, it is heresy that I haven't really. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, think, I think it is. I'm gonna. I'm, we're, the police are on their way. Um. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> well, everyone say bye to Tristan. This is the last time we've seen alive. <laughs> yeah, good podcast, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fantastic. No, that's. A, I, I think I might have asked you that before because I'm, I'm not completely shocked. Um, but uh, I like. Um, yeah, I'm like you. Yeah, I don't have too, a huge amount of time for playing. Um, but I would definitely put that high on the list, even if it's just the um, the, the the recent port by Night Dive. Um, mm, yeah, because I'd never played Doom sixty four or PSX Doom, um, and I played that was last year and was just blown away by it. Um, it was yeah, just again that atmospheric content, Doom that just nailed mm. it. The the soundtrack because the same music both Audrey Hodges, isn't it? Uh, um, yes, yeah. yeah, just beautiful. And a lot of the a lot of the sound effects. Are, mm-hmm. I think actually all of Doom sixty four sounds are basically from P, uh, PSX Doom. Mm, just fantastic, and and it's. Um, well, if I was going to be critical, I could still pick a few holes in some of the artistic design elements. But broadly, the pre- like it's just so well designed and cohesive, and the levels are fun, and they're not too hard. So again, if like you know, if you're not looking for you know something that's completely you know challenging or whatever, it's got it's a great thing that you can go through. It's engaging enough, but not overbearing in its combat that you can't stop and appreciate yeah. you know the, the level design because it is good. And it's, um, I hate puzzles, and I even enjoy the puzzles in that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, definitely play it. <laughs> was your yeah, was your no, last one? <laughs> yeah, I definitely have to get around to that. Um, so I'm not sure. Like, it is you are on the credits, but you certainly don't don't tell this too hard. But you you made probably you know at least a good chunk of one of the most iconic maps in uh, in Eternity, and this is ostensibly a level design podcast. Um, so you know. How do you feel about working on that and like the whole process there? Because it was a bit of a bit of a bittersweet kind of journey, um, I would would say. Um, uh, yeah. Well, how so did, so how did it start? Like, tell, take us through the like the the, the the genesis and creation of that map because it is a it's a hell of a map. So the story of Elysium. Okay, so like um, Dragonfly Josh, he brought me on to the other twenty team around like, May of 2018, so fairly early in 
ever turns his development, so I don't think any of the heaven maps had been made at that point. Um, I was originally just brought in to do uh, music, um, but like being like then like involved with the development team, like I started getting map ideas, and uh, Josh said like if you want to do um, a map, just like pick an episode, and I'll give you a slot. And I settled on um, like. Uh, Chapter six, uh, heaven map. I had ideas for that. Like, imagine like this massive, um, sort of like open world kind of thing. Mm. Um, and I started making that um, in July. And yeah, it, it was. It's like it's basically how all of my maps go. Um, I sort of like start something and then like I kind of just lose steam with it and then end up like adding to it very very slowly mm. and the thing was like time was just ticking along um and I it, started the development speed of the eternity was ridiculous <laughs> yeah like it was probably a bit too fast <laughs> truth be told mm. um I think Dragonfly would agree <laughs> yeah yeah that, that kind of um, broke him <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I started my degree in September of that mm. year um, which then that started eating to my time. I was also around October or so. I started on the map thirty music, um, which that took me from then till like the end of development. Basically, like I only finished that track just before the first release <laughs> uh, dropped. Um, yeah, everything about Eternity, like we were right up to the deadline on that one. But like with um, with Elysium, like. Because I had it in my mind, like, I'd do, like, this big open thing, um, kind of inspired by Dobu's The Given, mm. but it would have some combat uh, with it. But I wasn't going to go, like, heavy with combat. I was going to have it, like, sort of more, um, like, sparsely populated. Something of, like, because um, I think I knew I had the map 29 slot at that point, and right. I wanted to do kind of a breather. Actually, yes, we did have a heaven map. We had map 28. And I knew, so... We had map 28, you know, big, massive, like, slaughter light fight. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, map 30 was going to be a boss map. Uh, so I wanted to do, like, a breather mm. for 29. And I was going to have, like, sort of, like, sort of empty environments and then, like, these pockets of corruption, which would just absolutely fucking crush you. Um, in, like, it's like, so, like, like, mini difficulty spikes within the map. Yep. And you can still sort of see that in the final map. Like, you've got the whole, like, last fight where you go back to map mm, one. The corrupted section. And it's all, like, yeah, yeah all corrupted by Tar. Because um, well, you've got that, you've got you've got that got the... underground bit as well where you drop through the hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corrupted underworld kind of yeah. thing, which, I, yeah, I fucking love that idea. Yeah, so, like, I mean, it is the fight in that map. Mm. Um, and actually, it was Josh that did this, although I sort of edited it to make it sort of, like, fit thematically. But you've got that section in that underground section where um, like all the water just turns into tar mm, and yeah. then like a million astral cacodemons yeah, and yeah. all manner of um, stuff just comes at you. And it's, all manner of bullshit, my favourite. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so glad he put that in. Like, astral caco swarm, exactly what was... Oh, it's, it's a, a fast flyer like that because Age of Hell's got something similar. Like, it just... Because mm. there's lots of fast ground enemies in Doom, yeah, Revenants and your Arch Files and yeah. Pinkies. Like you can go, you can do uh, fast pressure on the ground, but the flyers are all kind of meandering and plotting. 
Pain Elementals a little bit because they fire a lot of souls at you. Can't, you know, but mm. it's more of a like I have to go over there and deal with that rather than that's going to chase me away. Um, but yeah, yeah, having a fast flyer like that with a lot of projectiles, like a spread attack, hard to dodge, panic stations. They know, like the player runs at those things. They're going to follow you and they're going to follow you fast. Um, yeah, yeah. I, th- yeah. I think I'm allowed. I, th- I think I'm allowed to say this without being biased because I didn't make the actual Cacodemon, um, but it is one of my probably one of my favorite custom monsters mm. ever in Doom. It is. Pre, oh, pre, so cool. pre or post sniff? None of us wanted to do that, but it just. We, we were getting kind of slammed because of like that invisible fireball in the middle. Um, oh, was there an invisible fireball? Yeah, so like what was happening, I think it was launching four, but because of dehacked, we couldn't make it look like there were four, so there was always two in the center. Right, so it was like a I, double damage. Hits that you yeah. Hmm. yeah, I think that's what happened. Um, so we ended up having to just change it to like a single Cacodemon fireball. Because it used to have the mink, um, the mink as well, didn't it? The mink fireball. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, originally it was like two pairs of Mancubus fireballs with two in the center. Mm. Mm. Um, and okay. that that would just like one shot you up yeah, close. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it still kind of does that, but. It That's reminds me, yeah, exactly. It reminds me a little bit of um, uh, Scythe 2's um, Freet, yeah, which is another mm. oft complained about enemy that I that I love and the fact that it is fucking terrifying. Um, and it's got this like volley attack that yeah, if you get hit by it, you're just dead. <laughs> yeah, well, so I think the problem with the with that is um, only in that case, like it just has a bit too much health. Like it's, it's a bit tanky, yeah, a little bit. It's such a is such um, a bullet sponge, whereas the Astral Cacodemon has, I think, the same health as a regular Caco. Mm. Um, in my opinion, it probably should have been a bit less, actually. Maybe, like, 300, like a Revenant. But Makes a, yeah, glass, I, scary, scary glass cannons. Um, glass I think can- I, yeah, scary you- glass cannon is a solid monster type. Like, I love the reaction to the fucking Caco Swarm in yeah. 29. Like, that was one of my sort of favourite things, like watching people play Evertonsey, <laughs> was the reaction to that fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, every time it was. As a designer, that shit's just like fucking mana from heaven, eh? It's just like, <laughs> get fucked. <laughs> yeah. We're not, us mappers, we're definitely not um, uh, aggressive um, uh, sadists. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's, it's funny because, like, I tend towards like lower difficulties when I'm playing Doom, but it seems like when I'm making things, like I just don't care. I will be I th- horrible. I think <laughs> I think that's pretty common. <laughs> yeah. Amongst the majority well, it's because of because I don't have to I don't have to play on ultraviolence. So I'll be exactly. enjoying exactly. myself on not too well. You're like um hey hey testers come and come and test this for me. <laughs> it's a speedable and they're like yes but fuck you. Alright, very good. Carry on. because <laughs> um, um um you know one of the one of the defining elements, and I, I, it's interesting you talk about like, that open world kind of concept with uh, Elysium. It does still have those bones because the start of that map had, inside the that grand hallway and stuff like this, there's, there's no combat in there. I think mm. there's none. It's completely combat free in that zone, isn't it? Uh, it's combat free until it opens up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it's this great, like yeah. stoic, um, you know, kind of awe-inspiring opening penultimate map, Godhood Suite. You know, it just like it makes the player like, okay, I'm going to take my time and enjoy this, and just marvel at the architecture and listen to the, the music and look out over the balcony at the vistas. And um, I mm. think it's actually a concept that I'm I'm consciously trying to fold more into my maps, um, particularly for Age of Hell, because you know, 
there are some large plottery fights that take a while to beat and yeah, having those breather elements I think is, is important to you know, give the player a bit of whew, okay and also to, to take things yeah. in and not, not wear them out and like it's different like something like um, Bastion of Chaos where it's just one map okay we can we can bear down on the player for four hours and, and, and punish them like in every setup <laughs> um, but having something like Sunder um, that makes it a bit more of a niche uh, uh, product um, but you know I, I, yeah, I really like that part of that map and one other thing that I well, one of the other things I'd say that you know and we have talked about this is you know your, your penchant for for some kind of crazy ideas so when did the uh, wind tunnel launch pads kind of come into the concept was that something you had thought about like at the beginning of the map or was that more of a like okay we need the plan about to get from point to point quite quickly but we don't want to just use teleporters we want to come up with something cool yeah that they were always like that was always going to be the gimmick um with that map this was um like this was something like that kind of evolved so like my sort of i'm going to do weird things that shouldn't be done in the doom match um like that started a visionary (laughs) um yeah it started like over a year before um Eternity because I started it's another one of my failed projects um, like a TNT episode um, which I only made one map for uh, <laughs> that's still progress yeah and um, <laughs> and then it just sort of died but like in this map I had because um, the concept around this map was well actually this what was like all the enemies were going to be like infected with um so basically at the end of TNT, like it says like, oh, there's a blue light in the head of the demon spitter or whatever. And like I was thinking like, okay, it'd be cool if um this blue light was some kind of like infection corruption mm. thing. Uh similarity to lithium intentional, by the way. <laughs> um It was like an idea I came back to. Um but yeah, like I was gonna make like all the demons sort of more aggressive, infected with this like corrupt thing. Mm. And so I like I had like fast imps and like I wanted to sort of like impact them in a way like that I couldn't do with D hacks. So I thought it'd be cool to okay instead of like deploying monsters normally, what if I just like threw them at the yeeted them? <laughs> yeah, literally yeeted them. And so I started like putting them on like these conveyor belts like off the map and just like launching them at high speed <laughs> into the player's face and I've got like this amazing of uh, um like this amazing gif or gif or whatever you want to call it and just like the player just like dying immediately to like these this group of imps that just flies in. Um yeah, I've seen I've did, and f- I love that trope just like fling the monsters at the player. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, it doesn't work consistently in both ports because in uh, PR Boom or the SDA Doom, they will just immediately snap to the ground if they can, if they're mm. awake. Um, whereas in GZ Doom, they'll continue flying. So there was always a bit of discrepancy with that, and it sort of limited to me to how much I could actually do that. But that was um, that was only the start of my troubles in that <laughs> regard. Um, but then, like, that kind of evolved, like, uh, I did a map for Mayhem 2017, which was the Mario one. Ah, yes, yes, uh, yes. Where, like, um, there's a secret behind the start, and it's, like, a, it's the question block. And, like, if you hit it, like, the armor rises up, like in Mario, and just flies off. 
um, it goes skidding away across the uh, across the opening area. Um, and then um, I did it again in Mayhem Orange. Um, I mean, I think the standout like technical thing in that map is the bridge that builds itself and then decorates itself with the. Oh, that's the one that comes out of the lava, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very. Um, cool. But. There is also, I mean, it's quite easy to miss actually, but there is like a fight where like these demons just like pour out of um, of a like cave or something. Um, they're sort of like launched in. Mm. Um, but like that was all sort of like that. The launch pads in Elysium were like sort of like the end product of all that experimentation. It was like, okay, if I can't do this with monsters, I could probably do it with the player. Mm. Um, so I wanted to like have the player sort of like get around a map using this like propulsion method and it turned out to be an absolute nightmare because again <laughs> ER Boom and GZ Doom do not behave consistently I had all sorts of like bullshit with the angle and everything because mm. you ended, like, up, was, it ended up being because I think a lot of people when they play it I certainly did at the start assume it is like a normal jump pad but it's actually a, a wind tunnel isn't it across a set of, a set yeah, of stairs so, invisible stairs that take you up and back down and yeah, yeah. So lines that funnel you to. Yeah, so you need invisible stairs. Um, it's a conveyor belt essentially, mm. um, and yeah, blocking lines on the sides. And the blocking lines are absolute. They make it really janky because like you'll get snagged on them, mm. um, which is really annoying. But you need them there because like. If I draw like the line vector like two hundred and fifteen degrees in GC Doom, it'll be two hundred and fifteen in Boom, it'll be two hundred something. Yeah. Um, so like, it was a nightmare to try and get those like lined up properly. And I figured the best way around it in future would be to just like not build at like weird angles, just keep it orthogonal. Yeah. And so I tried that recently, and what happened was <laughs> wall running. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, of so I ended up getting like yeah. So I ended up getting line skips, and so <laughs> the setup got even more complicated. So like you've got the launcher, and now there are like extra sectors on the sides of the launcher that are pushing you back inwards to the center, so you don't go to the sides. It is, uh, <laughs> and this is why this is why I just want to go to UDMF. Like I'm, I've had enough of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it's it's I'm. I'm... I feel your pain because we had similar battles with one map in particular and Mapwitch 2. And this is between Zandronum and GZDoom, so two ZDoom based ports. But they've got oh, God. wildly different air control. So there was a, a sequence of jumps in, um, in one map that was very much focused on, on jumping and jump pads where you could make the jump in Zandro, but you couldn't make it in GZDoom because you had that lower air control and you mm. couldn't propel yourself. Like, fuck. Okay, cool. We'll manually set the air control for this map in Map Info. That the Xandro and Jesus didn't read that differently, so that actually lowered the air control in Xandro, <laughs> which meant you couldn't make the jump in Xandro. It's like, fuck. <laughs> it's like, yeah. No, no reason. You need to make this jump not so tight, so it works in both. <laughs> I think you end up, we end up just adding yeah. another like a mid-span jump pad. It's just, yeah. It is. It is incredibly annoying to have to work around that sort of thing because I did another thing. Um, in another map which isn't released but like there's a monster who is there um when you go past him and like he doesn't wake up or anything but when you go back to the area he's gone mm. and the thing is is like it was working 
it's like, I don't know how I didn't notice. Oh, no, I know why I didn't notice, because I couldn't actually test the map in PR boom for... Until DSDO didn't came along, actually. I was getting, like, Signal 11 hours and everything that I couldn't actually get around. Um, but, like, it was working perfectly in GZ Doom, so I thought, okay, it's fine. And then I realised in Boom, um, he was still there when I went back to the area. <laughs> and, like, as soon as it, and like as soon as the monster saw me, it would just, like, disappear out of existence. Right ahead. Like, okay, that's what... That's what you're supposed to do when I'm not here. Just go. <laughs> it's working, but like, why aren't you doing it before? <laughs> yeah, it's like ah, uh, it was like every everything, everything I was trying to do was just like breaking in both parts, and <laughs> I, I can't remember. I think I fixed it. I came up with like some alternative method, but um, yeah, I no, yeah, I remember because I ended up going back to the vanilla method of just like pushing a monster <laughs> with like a barrel explosion. Yeah, yeah, over teleports then, and it's like it works. Uh, yeah, it's go, like, go old school. <laughs> yeah, sometimes sometimes vanilla is the way. Because um, really. like yeah, <laughs> you know you've you 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 seem to definitely always have some some wild ideas brewing away. You know for these 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 concepts and um, do you reckon? So this is where we're going to head into your 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 bittersweet relationship with mapping. Um, do you do you feel like perhaps? I mean, obviously, there's those port battles, which is something that you know, any, any most do mappers have had to deal with at some point. But mm. do you feel like perhaps your ideas kind of maybe outstrip your ability, or the if not your ability, then the engine's ability? Like, do you, you, you feel like you're you're thinking too outside the box, and that's a source of frustration? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I think it outstrips my ability. Right. Um, but initially, um, I wasn't always like this sort of like weird outside the box kind of mapper. Like I was just trying to make, um, sort of like regular Doom maps, I guess, mm-hmm. um, as they appeared in my head. But I, uh, yeah, so like, I, I'm able to like visualize like environments, um, very easily. Mm. I find um, in I'd say actually quite a fair bit of detail. Yeah. I think that I think that can hold me back because then, like right from the off, I've got a very clear idea of how I want something to look. And then, and, it, gets, and then it gets upsetting when you can't make it look like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah, Because, <laughs> um, like you know, you partake partook in, in a couple of the speed mapping sessions um, over the last little while, and like um. Definitely, like the things you've been able to create, like it's stunning. <laughs> I think it's that that strong sense of visual certainty coming through. It's like I know, but then you like you know you kind of had a point, like ah, yeah. Where do see, I go from this? Yeah, thing? see, see, I'm actually quite happy with um, even though I didn't actually finish it, uh, my Halloween speed map for this year because I had like the visual theme in mind and I was able to. Like, I knew it wouldn't take, like, much time. Mm. Um, it was, like, a very copy-paste job with, like, minimal detailing. So that was kind of... That was with the, that was the, the like, corridor of um, street maps, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, really cool. And then, like, and then like there's that room that's, like, just ripped off of, like, the liminal spaces account. <laughs> um, it's a good, good place to rip things off from. <laughs> yeah, because, like, it has that sort of, like, minimalist aesthetic. Yeah. So, um that was easy. And I think that's actually my first release UDMF map, hmm. like, ever. Um, but, yeah, um, but, like, most of the time, like, the environments I imagine are, like, a lot more elaborate than that. So, like, because, hmm. um, and I'm sure this is something we'll come back to later as well, like, I am planning um, 
a UDMF project at the moment. And like, I can see like this massive like sort of vista mm. um, for the first map, and like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do it's that. It's like stuff like, do I really want to commit like, to like, this? Oh, yeah, it's, it's like I already know. Like, I can feel I'm the pain like, coming. <laughs> yeah, um, like I know it's going to be a nightmare. Because <laughs> um, uh, a point. This wasn't so much a question that I noted down, but more of just a, an observation. But I think like you, you, you make music kind of like how I map. You're know, very artisanal and sculpting, and like you're bold mm. and big and ambitious. And yeah, you're, it definitely reflects in your mapping, um, kind of conceptually as well. Because uh, I was having a conversation with someone uh, earlier this week about like. If you if you invest too heavily into an idea ahead of time before you start work, mm. then when you hit those roadblocks, because either the engine won't let you do it, or you don't have the skill, or it's just not coming out how you had in your head, it can get really frustrating and, and can hold you back. And that's something that I've had to teach myself is like, okay, cool, I want to make this thing. I've got this idea in my head, like you like you can picture it just like crystal clearly. I know exactly what I want this to look like. Start making it. Almost within the first hour, it's looking different. <laughs> and yeah, it's like. You've got to kind of like choose to go, okay, it's not exactly the way I thought it would be. It's still good. Like you have to actually go through a conscious process of like, no, this is still good. We're going to work with it. And that's where like the organic development of a, of a scene can come out. Um, but um, it, is a, it is a tough kind of mental roadblock to, to get past. There comes a point where you have to just stop planning and start doing. Yep, yep, um, for sure. Because um, I, I actually ended up, there was some, there was a point, I don't know, it might have been a year and a half ago or something, it was before Bastion of Chaos, I think, where I was, where I was planning too much, and I kind of lost my ability to just map, you know, and see what happened. Because mm. um, mm. I think with music I've been able to sort of, well, I wouldn't say entirely get out of that way of thinking, but I'm able to deal with it a lot better, whereas I don't think I've actually got that with mapping yet. That's probably just a practice. Like, you've made, you've spent more hours making music than you have mapping. Mm, definitely. Yeah, so, because, you know, it does take you a fair... You're not, a, you're not like Jimmy or AD who can churn out, you know, still very good stuff very quickly. Like, your, your, your process takes time. I'm I'm very slow except for the rare occasion where I do like just knock something up very quickly but <laughs> ironically in those cases like I do have the entire piece like, <laughs> in my head, <laughs> like um, well, before I start but, um, like, I have a plan and it worked wow let's do that again <laughs> yeah. usually, but usually those pieces are very simple mm. like so like the um, Stella Valkyrie hub map like that is just like a core progression that loops around again and again just like adding an element mm. until the end and like I threw the first draft of that together in two hours um, which is that is probably a record for me um, <laughs> the first track of my EP was like five hours to do the MIDI mock-up I'd already done like like a little jam before beforehand um, where like I basically just like came up with like three sections like okay that's the entire piece like I don't need to add anything more to mm. this mm -hmm. Uh, and so making and so like making the mock-up for that was very quickly and then like even when it came to like the recorded version like I did that most of that in like one stream mm. uh, that was like 10 hours or something which is just in the zone again, that's, <laughs> yeah nah, that's uh we all we all hunt that uh, hunt that that feeling where you're just like just making stuff and it's coming out good and you're just having fun and it's like this this is this is perfection why can't this happen every time <laughs> yeah and what's also quite interesting I find is that 
a lot of people, and I think myself, uh, would say that is the best track on uh, my EP as well, mm. that first one. And it had like the shortest time put into it, pretty much. Yeah, and like you can get into a bit of a chasing the dragon, you know, um, finding that high again. <laughs> Uh, kind of moment with that, like you've like, how do I, how do I enter that? How do I, how do I like mentally and emotionally and whatever end up in that zone and how how I can find it again? And like, you do get that again. This is something that can add to that frustration of 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 design and creation, and it mm. keep it holds you back from actually doing anything. Like because you're like, ah, oh, I'm not in the zone. Yeah. I'm you're waiting for that perfect lightning bolt moment. You just end up, you just you just wait. You don't you don't get your work done. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like. It's always been a bit of a concern to me because, like, in the past couple of years, I found myself having to just, like, say, right, fuck it, I'm just going to put something in and just leave it. Um, which is not something I ever want to do because I always worry, like, if I mm. do that, like, it's going to be noticed. Like, people can say, oh, this just isn't inspired. It doesn't sound. You can't always make good. your best work, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, I. I, I I came to terms with that a long time ago, but like I always tried to like mm. still make good things. And like when I know that something isn't right, but I just have to move on and forget mm. about it. It's just like, oh, yeah, I don't like this. But then like so far, I've gotten away with it because like the first time this happened was Aorta, and like that people love that. People, people love that song. <laughs> yeah, for sure, it's because um, he's like, favorite of yours. Yeah, yeah, because it well, it's in Sunder, isn't it? Mm. Um, so, because that was the thing with that one, like I kind of wrote myself into a corner because, like for me, um, like there's that guitar solo bit in the middle, and like mm. that's one of my favorite things I've ever written. It's like how do I like, okay. how do I how do I bring everything else to this level? <laughs> yeah, well, it's like I didn't know where to go from there. <laughs> like, I wrote this section, and I was like, I don't know what to do with it anymore. <laughs> I need to get back to. Because I'd like changed key like five times as well by this point, and it's like, okay, how do I even get back to the original key? Like this piece has to loop and everything. And like the way the way it goes back, I still think it's actually just kind of bullshit to be honest. But like no one seems to notice. Well, I think it's important as a creator, and uh, you know, um, the more we talk, the more I think we are kindred spirits in these senses. Um, is like, you know, you the person who's made thing will notice all those little hacks and cheats, and like I'm not gonna quite. You know, bring this section up to the same level in my, at least in your own mind. The general consuming public will never notice it, um, mm. and it's only it, you might get like an, a, like another master of composition, like who might you know talk to you and there's like this this feels like a little bit of a you know a little bit of a cheat, or like I might make a map and you know someone who's sharp eye go this this bit here, you know you got you got tired, didn't you? <laughs> um, but <laughs> it, it barely it barely ever happens. Um, so I, I think that's. Wait. It was funny, someone once uh, said that about Irony and Isolation from uh, Revolution Map 12, and it was like, uh, it sounds like you ran I'm just hanging on a sec, you're getting, you're going to just move back from your mic a little bit? I'm like, it's getting, a hmm? quite, cra it's getting quite crackly. I think the closer you get to it, the, the worse it gets. Uh, it might be like a peaking thing. Yeah, that was getting very crackly, then it's better. Maybe. Okay, um... I'll just, I'll just I'll just sit back. Just, just uh, relax. The podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but no, so like for uh, for Revolution Map Twelve, like someone said about like the MIDI there, like it sounded like I ran out of ideas mm. like in the middle. Um, that's actually not the case. I ran out of <laughs> ideas at the end. That's why it's the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes, but no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's funny what people like. Yeah, people pick out of things like you, you, you're kind of there, but you're completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so like, um, you know, you've been uh, you've been getting a bit back a bit back into a bit of mapping, and you've been talking about into that this uh, UDMF project um, mm. uh, that you've you've started. What's 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 going on there? What what, what what's the plan? So one of the things I want to work on is sound design. Um, and so I'm a complete novice at this, um, which is why, like on Silla Valkyrie, we've got um, Ben doing an amazing job with the uh, sounds instead. Um, but like, I wanted, like, I need the practice, and I figured, like, okay, I should just make my own project where I'm able to go, just mm. do what I want with uh, this sort of thing. So I came up with the idea to just like do, um, like, a UDMF. Uh, map set, I guess, um, where like I replace every sound effect in Doom and like make additional things like ambiences and stuff, mm. and just like build like this sort of like atmospheric project um, around that idea, basically. Um, and I sort of want to do it as like a love letter to PlayStation Doom mm. um, because I figure like as well with sound design you don't want it like to fight with the music too much so I'm thinking just like I'll do like a dark ambient uh, sort of PlayStation Doom inspired soundtrack for it and so yeah so yeah that's I mean I've not really put anything down yet um, it is still just an idea station like I don't know if it's uh, actually even going to come to fruition. I'm going to try my best too. Um, I think like even if you don't really make any maps, the like you could you could make like a kind of proof of concept map or something. But the the idea of ex- using the Doom assets as a starting point to yeah, get into that yeah, sound yeah. that sound design because I, I definitely think that's a good idea, um, both from a yeah. like creative uh, outlet but also a professional um, you know string to the bow as it were. Um, because yeah, yeah, you have gotten into some some game dev work. Mm. You were making, working on the bird game. <laughs> Space I'm working on the bird game. Space bird. I mean, stuff about <laughs> <laughs> um, So, um, what was that like? You know, getting getting approached by by Ty and say, I want I want you to work on. I want you I'm giving you a job, a paid job. It was it was surprising. Um, I'll say, like he DM'd me like September last year, and I felt like. Okay, I guess he wants me to be on his podcast or something. Even that seems a bit strange because who the fuck am I? Um, <laughs> um, and then like he gets me into a voice chat and then starts like saying, "Okay, I'm making a game. I want you to do the music for it." I'm just like, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then like there was a Discord server and like we started assembling people. Um, Uber, one of my old friends from uh, Z Demon, um, as a level designer, and then like Scumheads coming in with like the textures. Um, I think that was it for like the original team, actually. Yeah, just, I think that was just the three of you to start with. Yeah. Um, and then the idea that um, the game we were going to make actually it didn't take off. And so back in January, uh, we were going to do. Um, like we started again, basically we started from scratch. Oh, I didn't realize. I didn't realize there was an, a, a previous concept. Yeah, um, yeah. I think like Ty has um, 
alluded to that as well. Like, um, like it just didn't really mesh with um, Scumhead's style. Mm, he does have a very um, specific style. Do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so there was just like a bit of a sort of artistic clash there. So um, I think that was just kind of shelved for the time being. Um, oh, it's important to be able to make that decision early on. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, because we had barely done anything at yeah, that point. It's like, like, I had, I, I, it's like this idea isn't bad, anything. but this yeah. team is maybe this is the right team to put it into fruition. Just, you know, put, and that's what happened. Like, yeah, yeah. To point to a, a similar scenario, that was the original Quake development was like that. It was like, we've got this idea. Oh, no, nah, the engine's not quite ready. It, you know, we're pushing things too hard. Let's make Doom instead. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, or Doom 2, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, because you get to that sunk time, sunk cost fallacy where you're like, oh, we've started, therefore we've got to finish it. So yeah, I think big, <laughs> big kudos to like go, nope, put that over there, we'll start something new. Yeah, because like, because I mean, nothing was getting done with it anyway, because there was just like that sort of, uh, I guess, I don't want to say lack of drive, but like it was just hard to actually make any progress. Well, I think it's like if, if, it, so if like you're like the if, lead like artist. If it's, not gelling, hmm. if it's not gelling with the lead artist, like you can't. Nothing's going to happen. It's like they're not going to feel excited to work on it. No one else is like, well, we don't want to jump in too quickly because you need the art assets to start with. And yeah, it's like it just kind of stagnates. So. Um, yeah, and so like I don't actually know how it went down because um, I missed the meeting. Goes, but like i just i just woke up i just woke up i just woke up one day and like there was like this um we're doing birds like, oh, like okay <laughs> well yeah well basically it just like posted a load of like 80s like space art um <laughs> in in one of the channels it's like okay what's going on here are we making a new game and it's like it's like maybe like yeah maybe. okay um and so like that was like the original um valkyrie planning like that first weekend and so I was like, okay, this is... I'm thinking this is going to need, like, synthwave music mm. or something. Which does gel with I've you quite done synthwave. Well, you, yeah, but, you, but, you like, done... but you like synthwave, like, you're a... Yeah, well, it's funny, I was just getting into it, because mm. this was around the time um, Nevernos introduced me to Slipstream. Yes, I was, uh, I was, which, I was thinking about that. <laughs> which became one of my... Which became... That's been, like, my game of the year, basically. Mm. Yeah. Perfect time. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's interesting because, like you're saying about, like, you know, the, the team not gelling with the concept originally, you know, oh, you're not the only person, that's there, but, like, that thing that, like, I've got this burgeoning, you know, uh, interest in this genre, that's going to work here. Yeah. It's like, when you get that kind of, like, serendipitous meeting up of events, you're like, fuck yes, I'm excited about this idea. And yeah, it's like, yeah, so, like, even though I wasn't at the meeting, like the concept for Stella Valkyrie was basically something that everyone was like really resonating with. And that's mm -hmm. why we've been able to run with it because like, even before, like I even mentioned Synthwave, like they, um, Uber and Scumhead had posted things in like, um, a music channel or something. And it was, you know, it was Jean-Michel Jarre or something. Mm. It's like, okay, yeah, we're all on the, we're all on the same <laughs> page like here. The, the minds are meeting. We're all thinking, yeah, we're all like independently of each other. We're down, heading down the same path. This is good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, yeah, and, like, um, you know, as someone who does put a lot of care and, and takes a lot of pride in their work, like, has the, has the the fact that it is, you know, a paid job, you know, a commercial game, has that been easier, difficult, just more of the same for you? Is it? I, I've been thinking of it as just more of the same, really. Um, just, like, obviously it's going to be a lot more work. Um, but, I mean, like, 
it's quite you know we're not like speeding food it's not like it's Everton so um, <laughs> we're not like making the whole game in like a year or something um, so um, yeah so like it's going to be a lot of work but um, I'm not too worried about it as long as I can get into a good flow and everything um, it'll be fine I think the main thing really is just going to be making it sound good because it is a new genre for me and one that I've not you know, I haven't listened to Synthwave or anything for years, you know, so it's still a lot of, there's still a lot to learn because I don't even know, like, how to use, like, synthesizers mm. that much. And there's, like, you know, I, having done, like, I've done two tracks now and, like, using stuff for that, I'm, like, starting to be able to move away from, like, presets and stuff. Mm. Um, like, the hub track, I think I actually made all the um, sounds for that from scratch, actually, um, using... Like um, Metal Neon sent me um, like a link to this uh, emulator of the Oberheim OBX, which is like a classic 80s analog. So that is just all over the hub track, and I find that one quite easy to use. And then there's other ones that just like completely baffle me. <laughs> it's like, how do you put um, the sound into music? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, no, I feel like um. I've got a plugin called Dexed, which is uh, emulation of the Yamaha DX7. I do not understand a single <laughs> thing on that interface. Like, what is going on? <laughs> uh, I think it's really cool with like synthesizers and stuff. How you can? I mean, it's obviously like these days it's VSTs for all instruments, but um, like how you can essentially pro- reprogram a keyboard to sound like another keyboard. Because I know um, I'm looking at like uh, John Rudess from Dream Theater has set up like he's essentially got a fucking stack of computers next to him. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's just I, I, that that concept's always, I've always found really fascinating. That it is, and it's pure. It's a synthesized sound, um, uh, but you know, comes out in a in a I guess in an analog fashion. Um, uh, you know, playing on a keyboard and out comes the sound. But um, yeah, that whole idea of like just like being able to pinch like not just here's a here's a guitar tone, but here is a specific synthesizer. Like from the eighties mm, or whenever, yeah. here is that sound. This machine that was made, I can I can play this now and see what I can do with it. I've always found that really cool. Yeah, I think that's a really great thing as well because you know those those old synthesizers are not being manufactured mm. anymore. Um, and so, unless you want to like shell out like hundreds or oh, thousands of easy. dollars for like the original hardware, like like sort of emulators are the only way you're gonna be able to get that sound because mm. they all have their own like unique qualities but yeah but which because is why which is why you end up with like millions of them mm. and but because it is a synthesized sound it's like the emulators are actually pretty pretty good yeah um, yeah um you know electronic guitar set tone you know create guitar tone has only really recently i think started to match or easily match like a a, a, a physical instrument um, yeah i'd agree with that um I think that sort of works both ways because as well, like, not only are the VST guitars getting better, but I think also the way metal music is being produced, mm. like, in more recent years is becoming increasingly... Gent! <laughs> um, well, yeah, yeah. Getting like, very very clinical, very crisp. Um, yeah, almost a bit too much for my liking, I have to say. Yeah, no, it's a bit it's of a... Like, it's an interesting conversation. Uh, I do because I do like I do like my gent, but I, I do understand when people will like they miss the the rawness and the the, the warm tones of you know um, a, a genuine guitar, you know, you know, um, you know some dirty grunge from the nineties or some old school thrash, and you know you can say that's a 
bad mix, but it's it's not. It's 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 different, and it, it does definitely have a different feel to it. It's it's like it's like more raw, I guess, and I think sort of more like more recently, I think you're starting to see like metal tracks where like the guitars are, even though they're like recorded live, like they're sort of like so clean mm. that they sound more MIDI than actual MIDI guitars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, and um, yeah, it, it's it's a style, and I, I imagine it'll it'll swing to another style in you know, five or ten years or whatever. Um, but it's definitely the popular the popular tone. I mean, you see Jared Dines, you know, one of the probably the world's kind of you know, up there with some of the best guitarists in the world, and certainly in terms of like people who you know a known name of good guitarists. Um, you know, he's actually started a band with Howard Jones from Killswitch, and uh, which does sound mighty fine. But you know, you're seeing these. Yeah, kind of like seeing your virtuoso, but very clinical guitar tones actually, yeah, spreading out into the mainstream a bit more. Um, which um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. I don't think it's a good or a bad thing. It's just a thing. Um, but no, yeah. it's. Just, I mean, if you don't like it, don't listen to it. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's plenty of there's plenty of music out there. <laughs> there is more music and more variety of music than there ever has been mm-hmm. in the history of music. So it's a good thing. It's why I'd, it's why I don't buy into the idea that oh music was better in the seventies. Yeah, it's just like it's not like you know for every because you you, you point, still get you still get stuff that sounds like the seventies today really. Well, and even like yes, the seventies had you know Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and you know these and Black Sabbath and you know these these titans. Um, but there's plenty of shit. <laughs> it's like you remember the, too, yeah. you remember the good stuff, but also if you you can point to a Led Zeppelin. Um, I, I, I'll point to an Earthside, you know, um, you know, as a like kind of compositional geniuses and people doing things out there, and, and that that is unique and stands out. Um, there's there's more of those kinds of artists, I would argue now, that are or at least accessible through things like Spotify and YouTube and just the internet in general. Because I remember I remember listening to the Dream Theater released. Um, they, they stopped doing it, but they, they had a um, a fan club. And every year they'd release a, a, a unique album for that fan club, and they did things like they had the live recording of them playing all of Master of Puppets, or and all of um, Number of the Beast, and like various like like what was a, a 2003 Grass Pop concert? I've I've got a few of them um, that I hunted down off eBay, and um, one of them, and this this is this was so cool. This is uh, just this is the coolest idea. They sent out the time signature sheets for Stream of Consciousness, and told people write a song. And then they released the seven best on an album. Um, and there is some like phenomenally good stuff on there. Like as good as Dream Theater um, at their peak kind of thing. It's like, where, where do the, how are you people not famous? <laughs> and this, this would have been, I think, 2005. And it was you know, just a little bit before musicians on the internet started being able to like get their wares out there a lot easier. Mm. And now these kinds of artists, people like your Jared Dines, or your, your Tristans, or your Primevils, you know, you can you can put your music on on Spotify for, for very little effort, or onto YouTube, or Bandcamp, or SoundCloud, or pick your hosting platform of choice. Um, and it's great seeing, you know, these kind of passion project composers starting to get better recognition, better distribution, potentially some money. You know, um, I think it's fantastic. I feel very blessed to be. Um living in this time period I suppose um, if this was if I was this age in the 70s I wouldn't be doing mm. uh, I probably wouldn't be doing music 
to be honest. Like it's become so much more accessible. Definitely. Um, um, the software's gotten better. The technology. Well, uh, well, it pairs up with this the same kind of thing with game design. Like it's so easy to start something up and get into a mm. project and like pick an engine. Like so many of the tools are free, at least initially. Um, you know, the licensing changes when you start selling stuff. But yeah, in terms of like being able to learn a skill and build up a portfolio and get a name out there is, you know, there's um, um, a myriad of, of uh, ways you can do that, um, which, you know, there's all sorts of problems with the world at the moment, but that, <laughs> and problems with the internet, but that, that concept, yeah, I agree, like, we're very blessed to kind of be at a, a riding a bit of a crest um, on that wave mm. at the moment. Um, it's very, very cool. Um, so you talked about, um, you know, wanting to get into... Uh, some sound design uh, as, a, as a new skill. Mm. Um, are there any other, like, I mean this from a professional sense, um, would there be anything else? And uh, the one I would be curious about, would, would you get into professional level design at some point? Or uh, are you kind of just focusing on music and um, sound at the moment? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sticking with, like, audio uh, mainly. Um, if I was going to get into level design, it would be sort of like more environment. Mm. Um, environment artist. It is a job. It is a job. Yeah, it is a job. I don't know what they do. Um, <laughs> they make things look pretty. <laughs> I, can't, I can't draw. Um, I don't know if that counts. I, I know nothing about um, that side of game dev. <laughs> um, but you know, like I'm able to, like like I said, I'm able to visualize environments. Mm. So I imagine that could be used for something if I could actually like put that onto a canvas into a skill yeah find a skill set like a, a tool to, yeah. to bring that to life because um, some of that some of the 3D, yeah. 3D art that's created like even just not for games specifically but just like you're on art station there's some phenomenal stuff out there uh, mm. what yeah. do they like use like Unreal Engine or something to like render I don't oh, no, no, I think it, I think it varies like there's I think some of it's just literally a digital painting program um, okay uh, and they you know to create just scenes um, and um, there's, there are people who just do that for like for the pure art of it and then there's yeah concept artists that'll use that and design a scene and then okay people who know how to use the engine here's what you're working from um and like the whole like concept artist as a job um and you they can go into like monster design or weapon design as well and it is just just using an art platform not a i mean some of them do do via models and stuff like that um, but um, there's definitely a, a niche for that in a professional sense. If that was something that you decided you were interested in, uh, when you, <laughs> if you ever got bored of music, because um, I think you do, <laughs> yeah, you, no, no, you do have a good eye for that it. That does sound interesting. But yeah, 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 it, yeah it sounds interesting. Um, it's you know, it's something I would consider if um, if I did get bored of music. I don't <laughs> think that happened, to be honest. No, I don't, not no, you've been um, going going for twenty years. If you're starting at two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, more than twenty years. <laughs> Um, very cool. Um, so with um, I think given that you do have um, you know, your foot on in two worlds with your bit of a level design background, and a bit of a music background, do you, do you do you think you obviously there is a relationship between the music and the map or the music and the game? Um, do you do you think you've got like a uh, a better um, kind of sensibility, natural grasp of that? Like if you can, you you know, um, looking at someone's map and like you're going to write a track for it. Yeah, do you think that? Yeah, is that? Yeah, how does it take us through the process? I guess. Or yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know because like 
I mean, I'll look at I'll look at a map and like I'll have something in. I'll get something like an idea for what the music will be like. I don't know if uh, my involvement with mapping in the past is anything to do with that because I think it's just like sort of a natural. Well, mm-hmm. I don't want to say natural, but like something like a composer should have anyway. I think it's probably more a product of good relationships with your with the mapper or you know, with the get, yeah, just knowing how they're thinking. Yeah, just being able to like um, tap into like what you think like the energy of the map is, and yeah, like that relationship. I like that term, ta- also... tapping into the energy of the map. I like that term. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, just like <sighs> ah shit, just, just, um... just make the music for it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think yeah. I think no, so... I think it's a, it was a, a poor a poor question, and because it's a complicated thing. <laughs> and, yeah, uh... well, this is this is my my brain starting to finally um, go to mush with making words. <laughs> uh, no, it's like, it's like, um, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like this. It's just like the thing. Just, just make the music. Um, yeah, but... it's, it's, it's like, a, it's like, a, it's like. A... <laughs> okay, I'm doing this on purpose now. But no, um, like with composition, like it's a very audiovisual task. So if you're, if you're good at composing music um, for audiovisual, like you're going to be able to mm. um, tap into the energy of the uh, visual. Yes. Uh, anyway, yeah. um, so I don't know uh, what sort of impact uh, my mapping mm. would have had on that. Uh, it, it, it is a tough one because, like, okay, I'll just delete all my mapping experience from my brain for a second. Um, yeah, because <laughs> like, yes, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know different as well. Do you um, ever um, write the music first, and then, um, like, not even just for Stellar just in general? Have you do you do that like write the track and then someone makes a map from it? Have you been commissioned to do that kind of stuff before? Um, has that happened? Because I do prefer to have a visual to go off. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is usually how it works. There have been, there have been cases where, like, I've had to make the track without actually seeing anything. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think what those were. Um, Revolution has some like that. Um. There was um, so the track Hell's Furnace, uh, which plays on map twenty, was actually going to be for a different map. Right. Um, uh, so like it was going to be for the map twenty one slot, and that map twenty one. Not only did I never see it, it never actually got made. Um, and so it ended up, the track basically just ended up as like this like homeless piece, basically. <laughs> um, Still attached to Evolution, but it didn't have a map slot, and it ended up going in uh, Phobos's map 20 mm-hmm. um, with the massive great hallway. <laughs> um, and I think it works really well there, so um, you know, I'm perfectly fine with how that went. Um, Frozen Wilderness was another one. Um, same project, it was written for Revolution, because um, map 32 in Revolution was going to be this ice map. Mm. And um, Jaws in space because uh, uh, there were so many attempts at making this map from like various different people, and they were going to make it for Frozen Wilderness. Right. Um, yeah. They were going to base it on the track, and it just never came to fruition. Jaws in space made a map. It wasn't a great map, and he ended up like pulling it from the project, and the ice map concept just died there <laughs> um, and so Frozen Wilderness never appeared in Revolution and then I don't think it ever appeared in Doom until Everton <laughs> uh when Antares used it on his map ah which is a Frozen map 
<laughs> That's really yeah. interesting, actually. No, because like some, some, you know, I'm thinking of your Jimmy's in the 80s, like, can just sit down and make some songs. And go, who wants to use these? And, like, you know, AD recently did it for, for 1K Alliance. I was like, I'm going to make some tracks. Mm. Um, and, you know, even though I knew he was, he was making a track for me, specifically, he made the music without the, seeing the map. He's just like, I'm just going to make it. I was like, what kind of, what kind of song do you want? I was like, oh, something pretty epic. And, you know, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it happens, like, because I've done, like, a bunch of, like, standalone middies that have mm. then gone on to, like, inspire mappers. I, I mean, Aorta was written not for Sunder. No, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, like, I don't know if Gazebo made Map 32 before I think, no, Aorta. he... Um, I don't know if... I think he already had the map. I don't know about I specifics, think. but he does like to listen to the music while he's mapping. Um, ah, yeah. He does. He does. He does. Not. Yeah. I don't know if it's specifically for that, but that is part of his process. And he, yeah, you know, he does choose his midis quite carefully with the map concept in mind. Um, and it, yeah, Aorta does fit uh, the Harlot's Garden uh, very nicely. Um, yeah, that's um, a perfect pairing. <laughs> probably, honestly, it probably fits the Harlot's Garden better than the map it was written for. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's just got that, it's got that evil tone to it that matches the, but it's got a grandiosity as well, and it, it's quite yeah. haunting. And yeah, that massive mansion, it feels like yeah, abandoned by the giants that once inhabited it. And yes, yeah, it does fit really well. Um, apparently, it also goes mm. it goes well with Cyberdemon rockets. <laughs> a lot of cyber demons in that map. I'm a, I mean, the Panophobia map is hard, but it doesn't have like that crushing atmosphere that yeah. you get from Sunder. Yeah, that oppression. Um, just like I am not meant to be. I here. I, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't think it could without being Sunder. Yeah. Really, like that's no. a hard one to uh, emulate. No, for sure. And like you know, that, um, as someone who has drawn a lot of inspiration from Sunder, there's still nothing quite like Sunder. Um, Mm. Uh, that design is yeah both the, the gameplay and the visual presentations is just yeah utterly out of this world because um, he was a freak um, <laughs> and we love him for it all right we've got some audience questions um, before we get Uh-oh. into there was so, yeah there's some good ones here um, was there anything else you wanted to cover off um, I, no, I, I don't think so I would just like as an addendum to that last section um Again, with Revolution, actually, Ionian Isolation was a another weird one because that was the first um, that was the first track I was ever asked to write uh, for a project, and so I oh, saw right. like one screenshot of the map. I think <laughs> um, that was all I had to go on, and they said they wanted it to be. Um, they said they wanted it to be like a Doom sixty four kind of inspired, mm. which is still a And <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, PlayStation Doom. Mm. I just sort of. You know, I went for that Orby Hodges vibe. Yes. Um, so I made the track, and um, then it was for TNT2. Um, then there was the big fallout. Uh, <laughs> the project split um, and then Revolution formed. They sort of did a bit more of the map to make it fit the MIDI more. Right. That's good. Cool. Um, so it's sort of like they sort of fed off each other. And then a few years later, Dobu came along and sort of like completely like changed like how the map ends and it's really because of him like transduction is a map that sticks out to people Mm. um because he again like using sort of like the midi as inspiration he like completely overhauls how the end plays out um much more atmospheric Mm. uh added some new areas and 
just turned it into something really quite special, I think. Mm, nice. So that's so that's actually a case of like it was like both ways around. Yeah, I think uh, that's probably that that's probably one of the like, like if you're going to call it like an ideal creative process, like having the two creators feeding off each other and that you know, yeah, like that, and and you know, kind of like with you we're talking about with Stella Vakari with the the new concept and like all the various artists like yeah feeding off each other's energy and and all all heading down to the you know the same path. Um, you know, if you can get that that relationship between your composer and your level designer, then um, yeah, the things will gel together um, so mm. nicely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, it's time for the audience questions. We're going to start with the uh, the ones uh, posted in the Discord, and then if anyone in the chat has some, we will uh, go through those as well. We'll start off with a nice, easy softball because I know there's some there are some curlers here. Um, <laughs> what is your favourite fast food restaurant and item? Well, see, I don't do favourites, so... Um, <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> yeah, can't answer that one. No, um, I know I'm quite enjoying the McDonald's breakfast menu lately. Uh, yeah, because I, I, I generally hate fast food, but McDonald's breakfast, they're pretty good. Sausage they're they're pretty good. Yeah, I had those, um, had one of those this morning. Yeah, no, that, that, this, um, cause they, they put one in. They put one in my supermarket a few a few years ago. Um, oh, that's evil. <laughs> yeah, well, I was I was thinking like they they had it all like boarded up for months. Mm. I was like, I wonder, I don't know what's going on in there. And then like then I walked in one day and there's the M. Yeah, and like, I'm like, you gotta be. You gotta be fucking kidding me. That's stupid. Yeah, like people walk into the supermarket, they're doing the shopping, they get hungry, they walk out. All right, <laughs> that is yeah. That is no, I was like, <laughs> I yeah, I was like so opposed to the idea of McDonald's in the supermarket, and now I'm, there I am just like going in there like every week. <laughs> yeah, now I'm sure they lace their um, um, the fucking muffins with cocaine because they're so addictive. Um, one other, oh, someone I, something in them. Someone I work something with. Someone I work with his wife. Someone anyway. Someone knew worked at the bakery that made. McDonald's split muffins and he came with like one day into the site with like a fucking sack I mean like hundreds of the fuckers and it's like sweet take it boys it's like okay and like the first I had like 10 just slice them in half toast them bit of butter you know, <laughs> just I was like these are not food and I can't stop <laughs> yeah yeah it's like sometimes I wish I could have, I could have two or something oh, just, no, uh, it's, it's, it's not good it is not but you know, I couldn't be bothered to cook last night. <laughs> so no, and like I remember, um, McDonald's used to like their breakfasts. I don't know, um, they definitely here. Yeah, they stopped serving them at ten thirty, and then they're like, "People really like this. We're going to do them all day now." Um, it's like, oh really? Dangerous. Um, but I, yeah, I do. No, I, I don't think I, I don't think they do that here. But I'm always in the uh, shop oh, very early anyway. So you're nocturnal. That's right. About, <laughs> yeah, I don't have to worry about missing it. Um. All right, uh, I've got a question from Dunn. Uh, we have kind of gone through the first, which is when and how did you start composing MIDI's or music in general? So that has been yeah. been, been covered quite quite extensively. Um, he started uh, writing music when he was still in the womb. Um, uh, well, no, I, didn't, <laughs> I, I mean, I started writing music a bit later. Um, I'm being slightly and like with, Yeah, with, uh, <laughs> with, with MIDI's, it was a plutonium MIDI pack. That was like my first proper... Um, for into writing music, um, some good songs in there. Yeah. Um, and if you <laughs> if you are at liberty, tell us a bit about the origin of the yob. 
I'm not. Uh, I, you, you may be surprised. I'm not entirely familiar with the Yoblo. <laughs> Yoblo. Um, I mean, it's a Mario character to start with. Well, yeah. So basically, uh, I mean, everyone knows it's Blue Yoshi. Um, <laughs> well, actually, like the origin of this was, um, I think it was a Tumblr post in 2016 or something, and it was someone saying they had a dream where they met Yoshi's dad. <laughs> But his name was Yobby, and they were kind <laughs> enough to fucking draw Yobby as they saw him in their dream. That's fantastic. And that is that. That's like the original Yob. Um, that's fantastic. Not Yobby Free. Anyway, no, yeah. um, but like, and then that just became. I think I'm guessing what happened is the Super Mario World community um, just like picked this up and ran with it. Mm. Started doing fan art um, of someone's weird dream. <laughs> yeah, because like I've had people like I had someone like say they were from like the Super Mario World community and like they recognised my Yobby avatar. <laughs> so I was like, okay, there's there's something bigger going on here because I know um, some Illuminati bullshit. <laughs> yeah, because I, I I found um, I found I found the Yobs through uh, Nevernos and Aquila mm. who were using them all the time. They Got them via um, like uh, Arius and yeah. Jackadin, um, who the, the have made Yob, quite a lot. Of, the Yob fans. Yeah, like, <laughs> most, most, of the, most of the most of the Yobs were made by those two and like <laughs> some others. Um, there are a lot of Yobs. Like that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's mostly where it comes from. Um, but I think there is there's, there's something bigger at play. <laughs> some, I think some, something sinister. <laughs> yeah, Yobby is a cult, and I am only the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, no, it's de- it is definitely a cult. Uh, it, Tristan is the <laughs> Tristan is the pleasant face outside at the the doorway, and the you go in and um, it's like, hi, would you like to learn more yeah. about the Yob? And then, like, but deeper I, within, there's there's there's, there's dark things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I know nothing. I just like Yobs. <laughs> <laughs> they are fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard not to like the yobs. Lobby is still probably my favourite. Um, although I do, I am quite partial to the judge yob. <laughs> judge yob's good. Yeah, judge yob's good. I like all of them. Yeah, they're all. They're, you have no favourites, as you said before. You love them all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this one's from Kapali, and um, I think this is a similar bit adja- adjacent to what we were talking about a bit earlier. It was like being being both a mapper and a musician. Have you ever developed a level? I'm interpreting this as you. Um, have you ever developed a level that's been inspired by a music track that you've made? Yeah, so um, this is one I mentioned earlier, but um, it's an unreleased map. Um, you've seen it. It's the 500 Torches. Mm, oh, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know if that's ever going to be released. It's just like I'm just using that as a testing ground for like weird ideas, but Atmospherically, that was going to be the first map of an Otex project. Um, again, another mapping project I <laughs> came up with that never went anywhere. Ah, weird for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, so um, that is like, does, like the atmosphere of that is designed entirely around the Infinite Labyrinth. Mm. Uh, my, probably my darkest MIDI. Um, Maybe I don't know if it's one of my most popular. It gets used quite a lot. Um, I'm, not, like I'm pretty sure I've used it in one of the speed maps as well. If you recognise the name, yeah, it, it crops up like fairly often. But I don't think it's necessarily one of my 
less known, but like it was in Tangerine Nightmare. Simple used it um, very recently, and it's like one of my own uh, personal favorites, mm. um, just because like the background of it and um, how it turned out. But um, yeah, yeah, there there is a map um, that I did. Um, sort of, I made it for that MIDI, I guess. Um, I think that's the only example, actually. Mm. Um. <laughs> now we get we get to the we get to the hard one. Simple oh question. no, it's a simple it's a simple uh, oh, simple question. We can put the, we can park this for a little bit. No, that's a great question. <laughs> what is the most difficult part of composition? And what do you wish lay people knew about it? It's simple even here. <laughs> he just not. dumps a question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just dumps the hardest question and then and just like, oh, okay. Toddles That's off cool. laughing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Deal with this, fuckers. Um, okay, the hardest thing about composition, I think for me, it's getting an idea to like stick to actually come up with something beyond like the initial uh, burst of creativity. Uh, once starting a piece because um, a lot of the time the way my creative process can go is I'll start a track um, I'll think it's cool um, and then I don't know what to do with mm. it and then even even with music like this is something this is what always happens to me with mapping and that's why I never release anything I was going to say I think it's very me. very common in mapping like people will start something yeah. a cool idea and then they run out of stuff what do I do after this room I made a cool room yeah and, uh, next. Yeah, and it, it, it still happens to me with music um, just not as much um, but like I'll start something I think okay this is cool I don't know what to do with it it gets shelved it never gets released <laughs> or I'll start something and then end up hating it you know um, you know Battle of Chaos I think you've used that in speed map yes um, yeah um, like that never that MIDI never got made because like I just hated like the first twenty seconds after <laughs> I, after I started with it and uh, I somehow managed to get that MIDI finished. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think that is the hardest thing for me um, mm. is like sticking with an idea. And there's all sorts of um, there's all sorts of like cop out answers I could give to this as well. It's just like. The hardest thing about writing music is making money from it. Um, <laughs> I think that's. Hardest, I think that is a fair point, though. <laughs> the hardest. The hardest thing about writing music is getting it to loop when you're not in MIDI format. <laughs> I'm not that's your, salty. There's your current current battle. <laughs> oh, <sighs> fuck's sake, man! And I can't even. I can't. <laughs> I can't play. I can't. Yeah, Wolf gets it. Pop. <laughs> that fucking click that comes from the waveform not being at zero at the mm. big point even though it is ah oh, yeah i'm i'm so upset and i can't even like blame jeezy doom or anything like that is just in an inherent part of like looping audio yeah yeah, yeah. It, oh man <laughs> this is this is the face I of a man suffering <laughs> i still haven't figured it out yet by the way um like uh, that is still something I need to bash my head against with that track, mm. and then hopefully I'll find a way of like I'll find a method. Well, hopefully Prime, because uh, uh, yeah, I think Prime's the the best at it that I know certainly. Um, yeah, yeah, I've got, I've, yeah, yeah, I see you there, Prime. I I would definitely drop you some messages. Yeah, so, um, he managed to get um, it working in several different ways in Bash, the Bash of the Chaos tracks. Yeah, because um, it's like even if even if I solve the click, there's still 
an audio tail issue that I need to get around. Mm. Um, and that is very stumping me at the moment. So I think everything I've heard him write is like, yeah, it loops and it's like you can't, you don't hear where it, where it loops once you yeah, get into you're it. Not, yeah, that is the goal. You're not mm. supposed to know that it's loops, basically. So, so it's um, possible. I mean, it, you know, yeah. Prime probably sacrificed several um, small yeah. chickens to a dark god. Um, you need to find the right god. <laughs> yeah, no, I've done it with. It's a lot easier with audio. Um, I've done it with like ambience and stuff, but music is. Hmm. Mm. And imagine like with a MIDI. That's because you can like line the notes up perfectly. Yeah, you know, the beginning and the end. Well, not. So, it's not so much that other than like um, in a MIDI file, the notes that hang over the edge will actually just keep playing when the oh. uh, MIDI loops. Oh, okay, so you can just kind of bleed it together. Yeah, so it's like. Um, if you have like a, because like sometimes I'll end a MIDI like, um, like I'll have like a cymbal roll or something that like fades in, mm. and like there's no cymbal at the start, so you don't hear this cymbal like crash at the start of the MIDI. But when the MIDI ends, you get this cymbal roll fades in, and then the MIDI loops and mm. it just keeps going. That's so cool. it's like a percussive. Mm-hmm. Kind so when of loop, so when so. the song when the song starts, it's not there, but when it finishes, that when yeah. that ending sounders will roll through over the beginning as it loops yeah you'll i think i think all of us do this actually as midi composers like if you listen to like a midi and like at the end there will be some sort of like kind of like whoosh effect or something something that hangs um yeah something to bring it back around Mm. um and like in midi it's just so easy to do that um outside of midi not easy not at all and I'm very mm. upset. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I mean there there is there is a market out there for midis, but I think if you're going to get into yeah the the pro game dev scene and stuff like it's definitely something that you're going to have to get past. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty burnt out on midis. I have to admit, um, I'm quite happy with non midi, but there are definitely some new challenges. Um, yeah, new challenges. <laughs> so the hardest the hardest thing is looping. <laughs> yeah. And I believe that is a question that's coming up as well. Um, so we got, maybe not right now. But. Got one from Wolf. Uh, he's got a couple, actually. Um, uh, do you ever just slowly work on a track bit by bit sometimes? And I think that's kind of your main work method. Kind of chipping away at things. Yeah. Um, although I think I could answer like the most extreme cases with this. Um because I think the wolf also asks, like, do I come back to a track like yes. long after the fact? Um, which is, I guess, because um, uh, yeah, I have a few examples. Um, so a current example is the Earth Boss theme for mm. Elementalism, which has taken me since January. I've been working on that track, um, and um, as Bull will attest, like initially it was like I had about two minutes of audio and mm. like. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can actually do anything more with this. Like, I'm, I write this, and it's just ended up like ballooning to about thirteen minutes long. <laughs> Sounds um, like my maps. <laughs> just keep adding more on. To, I should stop. I can't. Just more. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. I think it's the first time I've gone over ten minutes in like probably about three years. I think. I think um, your the dark track. Uh, yeah, that's the last like, time. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, so yeah, um, like that's and like I'm still working on that. Like I haven't like finished the orchestration. Mm. I need to, um, I need to record all the uh, bass and guitars and stuff. Um, I'm basically just waiting to um, get uh, new bass strings 
and then I think I'll be able to actually do the bass track. Mm, nice. For that, I've been I've been practicing quite hard. Um, it's a very it's the most difficult thing I've ever written mm. in terms of um, playing it, and I think the rhythm guitar is going to absolutely suck. <laughs> actually, I think um, I think that's I think that's worth pointing out because I don't think we have uh, focused on it. But you actually play your instruments for most of your um, yeah, yeah composition, which I think is awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah, very impressive. <laughs> yeah, like um, I try and include it in some way in like most of the things, um, rather than relying on like, because like at the end of the day, behind the live instruments, it's still MIDI data, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's just that's a bit more of like your personal character, I suppose, if you can add like your own instrument mm. because your playing style is unique to you. Well, your your like, music, regardless of your ability, mm. and like um, your tracks always have, uh, I think, a quite a unique and defining melodic touch to it, and I suspect a lot of that is actually because you you physically play them, uh, the instruments, um, and yeah, that I I, I think uh, now that I think about it, that, yeah, it does it does yeah, it, it pays off. It's worth it's worth it's been worth doing. Um, yeah, it's like I try to. Um, I mean, with like sort of Valkyrie, like synthwave, it's going to be quite difficult mm. to do that. But I'm still trying to like, I mean, you can put like guitars in synthwave. So I'm like, I'm trying to do that. Like the hub track has um has a bass solo, which is um that's something I put out on Twitter a couple of months ago when I was mm. doing it. And it's like the way that came together was like it's very cool. I figured like because that's um that's more like a vaporwave kind of track. So everything's like you know like the d- drums are detuned by an octave to give it like this sort of like lo-fi. Uh, kind of vibe. So I figured bass would work as a melody mm. instrument, uh, just to use like the upper register because it's like it's not too high pitched. Well, like you know, like synth, synthwave is adjacent to other electronic forms of music, and drum and bass is one of those. Yeah. So there is definitely precedent, like in uh, like. Pr- I guess adjacent genres, peripheral genres around the synthwave. So I think you know it might be a bit something a bit different, and not usually done, but it should. Gel quite nicely, I think, having a yeah, yeah, uh, bass-driven melody. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, so I just put a bass solo in the hub track, and <laughs> you know, I just like it was the basic the way I write solos is just to like improvise again and again over the section mm. uh, until I land on something for all of it that sticks. And so, yeah, that's that's how that came about. That's that's very cool, um, and I've. Yeah, I'm really happy with um, how that track's turned out as well. You've, um, you've mentioned the hub track a lot. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I can, I can well, see I can sense your pleasure with with your work on that on that one. Yeah, um, it's also because like I'm so I've been working it on the moment at the moment. So it's like it's the one I'm trying to get to loop. Um, but it's like <laughs> when I wrote it, I was just like listening to it for like three or four hours after. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, I stayed up a bit too late. Um, High, high on your own supply. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of got lost in the vibe. Um, nice. It's rare that I get those. Um, That's very cool. Moments in my own music, so mm. I, you know, have to indulge in it. I suppose definitely. Hundred percent. I don't um, want to sound like I've got my head up my ass, but <laughs> nah, it's a, like there's there's enough self-deprecation and 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 people feeling imposter syndrome. Fuck, feel feel good about yeah. your work. It's that that. Don't let anyone tell you I'm otherwise. Thinking- <laughs> I, I'm thinking I have. I'm, I'm thinking I haven't done enough self-deprecation uh, for this. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so on, ba- so on balance, the world one theme for of Valkyrie is complete shit, and I hate it. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Order has been restored. Artists hate, hate themselves. Yeah. 
no, I think uh, if you if you make something and you're happy with it, fucking embrace that feeling. <laughs> Feel good. <laughs> um, Eris after Darkwing. <laughs> uh, twenty thousand followers on Twitter. Okay, there we go. You heard it here. Um, make it make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Note this time in this place. It's been witnessed. Um, <laughs> um, all right, I've got one from Antares, legendary mapper, um, D hack master. Um, and do, 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 do. I think we've covered this question. Instead of participating in various community projects, any plans on making your own map set? And I think there's been lots of plans. <laughs> Yeah, there are plans. Again, like I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but um, yeah, there, I mean, there have been many plans over the years, haven't mm. there? Um, yeah. I've mentioned so many uh, failed projects, and like that doesn't like I haven't even mentioned all of them. Like, uh, well, I think shout um, outs to um, shout outs to Iridian Twilight, which was a UDMF project I started in 2013. But I think probably like is that the, was that the quite like the the rainbow one. No, no, this is before the rainbows. So, like, the rainbows, again, that's another one that never <laughs> came to fruition. Um, I was doing rainbows before it was cool. Yeah, doing. Exactly. Uh, train, but, um, train setter. No, I think... <laughs> I think Iridian Twilight, I'm actually okay with that just, like, never happening because GC Doom has come so far now mm. um, from 1.7 or whatever it was back then. Yeah. Um, well, thank God... So I couldn't... I couldn't make what I wanted to, and I think because of like I'm going for like a sort of like more like spacey PlayStation Doom idea with my current thing, it's probably going to be what Iridian Twilight mm. wanted to be anyway. So you know, well, I think um, cool. you know, you use the term foul project, and that that is, a, is a, I think you know it's a fair a fair term to use, but you know, I've got. 15 years of on and off mapping stuff scattered around hard drives that's just never yeah never will never get released i mean i might i might release them just like as a bit of a like joke like come see my old shitty maps guys um mm. but i think time spent having fun is not time wasted um and no. you know and if you enjoyed it like you might feel bad that it never gets yeah released, actually but, yeah know, i mean because you Fuck. like you still learn, you still learn things yeah exactly from, exactly um from uh from the experience so actually, yeah, maybe failed project isn't quite the right term, but because um, because people do beat themselves up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. that's, that's you know, mothballed, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. People people do uh, going back to that. You know, if you feel good about your work, embrace it. Like people artists, we generally are a troubled bunch. Um, we beat ourselves up a lot over over the things that we uh, ostensibly love to do, um, and I think particularly with like hobbyist stuff. You know, you just you're doing that. You are doing this for fun. You don't, you're not obligated to to release this. You, you know, if it never sees the light of day, who cares? Like if you enjoyed it, if you learned something, and um, that that's more than enough, uh, more than enough justification yeah. for the time spent, um, particularly when you're younger as well. Like, um, um, yeah, I mean, I was I was like sixteen yeah. back then or something. Sixteen-year-olds like, do nothing useful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. At least a failed mapping project is, uh, or an unreleased mapping project is way, way more productive than what most sixteen-year-olds do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I like this question. This is a follow-up. Another one from Antares. Um, if you had to pick one of your soundtracks um, or songs, I guess uh, that represents you as a mission, a musician, like a chef's signature dish, which one would it be? Uh, you did mention see, the. You did mention the Infinite Labyrinth. Oh, Infinite Library, sorry. It's Labyrinth? Labyrinth. Labyrinth. That is, that is one of them. It's hard because, like, um, you know, for me with music, like, I never want to just stick to, mm. like, one, like, style, one mood. 
one genre. Um, the Infinite Labyrinth, I feel, definitely represents my darker side, as mm. does Aorta. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, pretty much. He says he no, sits like, in his dimly lit artist studio. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I sort of hate the whole um, like romanticized depression thing. Mm. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't in a good place when I wrote the Infinite Labyrinth, and I think that is very much reflected in mm. the track. I think- and. I love to track for that. Mm. Now it's. Um, well, I think um, like you know, I mean, it's... I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Honestly, I'm not doing much better now. But it has <laughs> been like five years. Um, <laughs> but I'm still able to like just look back on that track and like, yeah, okay, I made something out of a bad thing. Mm. No, I think that's a good way to look I'm at happy it. Like, with. You know, because I'm also not a fan of romanticized artist depression because generally sad artists don't make anything. Um, but if there is a time in your life where you can, like, where you are drawing upon, you know, something painful yeah. or negative and make something good out of it, well, that is a good thing. And yeah, if you can look back on it and go, okay, cool, that was a shit time, but I made this cool thing and I'm really proud of that. And that, you know, and I, yeah, black and I, and I all should, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I should add as well, like, because you said, like, you know, depressed artists very rarely make anything. Mm. Um, uh, I would say, like, I was actually making very little in that time as mm. well. Because um, this was during the Rebirth Midi pack. Right. I had, like, one failed attempt at map 24, like, three failed attempts at map 29 before Thanatos came along. And I was just like, oh, this just isn't fucking... Mm. I was just kind of, like, out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I don't know how... The Infinite Labyrinth came to be, but it just sort of did. I think I made it in like two days or something. Well, it's kind of fugue states where you kind of enter it, and then when you pop out, it's like, here's this thing that I made. Yeah, yeah. I, I genuinely cannot remember much. Which, um, yeah, I think the about that. public and media love to, like you say, romanticize that kind of thing, but it very rarely happens. You know, most. Yeah, yeah. Majority of artists aren't the most productive when they're in a good headspace and, and happy and, and content and can relax. Because I think creativity does often come from uh, kind of loosening of yourself, you know, and ex- you know, feeling confident means you can experiment. Um, people, yeah, people who are, People who don't feel good about what they do won't push boundaries. Um, or less likely to. Um, and it's a few, you, confidence bordering on arrogance is actually not a bad thing um, when it comes to. No, I, it, I, I agree with um, that. Yeah. Certainly, you don't want to. You don't want to be a dick, but like in, inside yourself, like yeah, I can do this. I'm going to try this cool thing. It's going to be and like your your wild kind of mapping ideas. Like you know, even attempting them is still still takes a bit of guts. You know, I'm going to try mm. this. Put this time in to this wild idea. Yeah. See. You know? Yeah. See, the thing is with like with the mapping, it's like I kind of. Um, I kind of like accepted like I'm just not that good at sort of traditional mapping I guess um you know even or actually my mayhem orange map plays pretty well but apart from that like I just do not understand how to make good gameplay <laughs> um so I kind of just said okay what can I do instead and I sort of landed on like weird outside the box so what am I what am I good at where do my talents lie and that is that is that's the the other side of that coin of like yeah. confidence is like recognising okay I'm not so good at this thing this thing I am so you do have to, you do have to have a self-critical eye as well um, that's important recognise recognise what your strengths are and play into them mm, for sure for sure um, and you know you can spend time 
and proving where you're not so strong. You know, go, okay, identify this one yeah. area. I'd like to get, like, it's not just, like, find the thing you're shit at. It's, like, find the thing that you would like to be better at. Because um, I try to, I try to, like, stay away from, for a couple of years, for, like, from writing, like, excessively guitar-oriented stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started, like, playing um, stuff uh, in my music, because I'm, you know, I, I alluded to this, I'm not much of a guitarist. Mm-hmm. Um, bass and keyboard are my sort of my instruments, I guess. Uh, but while I've been not doing as much guitar-focused stuff, um, I've gotten I do feel a lot better at guitar. Like my rhythm playing is still mm. kind of iffy, um, but I can play some decent. Oh, you, I hundred percent agree. Like I, I would, I know, I know that bass is your best instrument because I, I know you. <laughs> but um, you know those <laughs> montage videos that you make, which I fucking love. It's like try and pick the word, the instrument that you're best slash with. I can't. They all sound great. Like, and it's you know you're sticking within what you you know playing within yourself. Um, which yeah, is, which is a term I love. Because the thing you'll also notice is like if I'm playing like rhythm guitar, like it's going to be quite basic like power chords mm-hmm. most of the time. I can't really do like these like chuggy complex that, riffs or whatever. But. That works with your composition because they are melodically driven from the keyboard and the bass as well. You don't want a complex rhythm over the top of that because you'd lose. You know, it, it, it get to it'd bury all those lovely melodies that are coming from the other instruments. So, it, yeah, it's it's it works well. it's what scares me about it's it's what scares me about um, the elementalism track actually is because like that's one where like it's very dream theater inspired. So like for a lot of it, the rhythm guitar is actually doubling the bass, right? And it's like I can nearly play it on bass now, um, but transferring that to guitar is going to be an absolute nightmare be a journey. for me <laughs> I like I actually I also really like that kind of, like I've written the song now I have to learn how to play it I like that and that yeah that, it's uh, like oh, <laughs> it's like I have said so many times I'm gonna stop doing this shit <laughs> like writing above my skill level it's like if you can meet if you can get through it though it does make you a better player at the end of the day and and that does, goes back yeah. you know that experimenting and pushing past your boundary because you've got that confidence that is definitely a, uh, an example of that writing music that you actually can't play yet and then rising to that challenge and i guess you know if i you know from a mapping perspective you could do the same like i want to make this visual concept that i've never made before let's see how this goes Mm. or here's a fight that i've made i think it's good but i can't beat it yet cool let's let's just let's just get better at it and 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 tweak things here and there but you know rise to that challenge and i I think that's a great concept musically as well yeah i mean it, it does work um the the only thing i worry about with it is like I'll be able to play it, but it just won't be as good as as if I was already mm. better. Um, so it's like the ideal process for me would be to be like a few steps ahead of where I'm actually at mm. with music. So because I because like for actually getting better at bass, for example, like I've been learning uh, last year, I spent a lot of time learning Metropolis Part One, mm. Virgin Theatre. Good bass song. Um, and I'm you know I'm basically there with that now. Um, so I moved on to uh, the Dance of Eternity. Which, oh, you did um, too, didn't you? Yeah, Panic Attack is an absolute nightmare. Um, <laughs> I need to practice that a lot more. That, that is an exercise in endurance. That is a that that's an exhausting song. <laughs> yeah, I've got yeah. There's a there's a few I line up for endurance. Uh, Panic Attack is one of them. Stockholm Syndrome by Muse mm. is one of them. Because I should say also with um good baseline. With uh with bass, I play with uh, fingers. I don't use a pick, mm-hmm. so. Keeping that, uh, you know, 16th note rhythm mm. going for, like, long stretches of time, like, ducka, 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 ducka. 
Um, that can get very tiring. Yes. And so Stockholm Syndrome is like that all the way through. Um, so that's a good endurance test. Panic Attack again, like mm. that is like 16th notes a lot. <laughs> Road of Resistance by Baby Metal. Um, <laughs> one, of these the reason, thing, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> yeah, well, see... Because I've also, with the whole like Dream Theater thing, I've also tried to start like um, playing with free fingers, um, like John Myung does. Mm. Um, and you get to a speed eventually where you have to do that. Right. You cannot. You cannot just alternate two fingers fast enough to play sixteenth notes at no. two hundred BPM. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And so this baby metal song is two hundred and five, and it gets really fucking tiring because like once you bring in the third finger like that's a whole new layer of it's endurance a, training you it's a new te- it's a new technique as well like it, it's it's not just more of the same yeah with the two finger walk it's it's like you, the rhythm is yeah is it's, very a, different. it's a it's a complete new level because like for most of the song you've got um i mean that's a very dragon force song so it's that it's that rhythm like like really fast yeah which is really a very, cl- very classic kind of power metal beat yeah, um, it, is, it is that rhythm, and the way you do that on a bass is to do middle index and then the f- ring finger middle index for the fast 16th bit. Right, so you go two, 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 two fingers yeah, and three fingers. Two you alternating, fingers. Yeah, you alternate between two and three. Mm. And it's making, my, that, it's making my head hurt just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, um, I've gotten it. I've gotten it down quite well now at this point. Um, there's going to be some of it on the Elementalism track at nice. 220, which is about as fast as I can actually do it. <laughs> the, the real headache is... Because, I mean, Free Fingers, it's great for triplets mm. and, and this other rhythm, the power metal one. Because, um, you know, it's just like two plus three for a beat. Um, but then 16th notes, you're playing groups of four. With three fingers. <laughs> yeah. And it's... <laughs> I'm still really struggling to get my head around that, like trying to like play it. Because you're not only doing and that, you're also then trying to hit specific strings. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed like so. I've been watching a bit of um, Felipe Andreoli, who's the bassist for Angra, and um, I did, yeah. he's absolutely he's yeah. absolutely incredible. He like he's done like Dream Theater bass mm. covers. You're good, and, good, um, good prog power band, Angra. Yeah, yeah, prog power. I think. And I've noticed, like, the way he does, like, these long 16th runs is, like, to actually just stay on one string mm. um, as much as he can. So, like, I'm trying to, like, consciously do that mm. now instead of, like, trying to go fucking... Trying try to try <laughs> not... Try and, you know, put, like, I want to be John Myung, but let's just put that over there for now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think... I, I don't know. I've not... Well, I guess, like, John Myung, he does actually change string because, like, there's a change of seasons. Mm. Uh, thing where like that's his left hand exercise but trying to do that at speeds on the right hand is going to be an absolute <laughs> mindfuck as well because that's too fast for two fingers I think just get a chat um, sting. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up the price of those god not they're like, no <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like three thousand dollars or something yeah no that's um that, that might be a 30th birthday prison or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When you're a rich composer, who was your favorite favorite bass player? Actually, if you have one, um, I don't do favorites. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so I've got a few um, for like different reasons, I guess. So Chris Wilson, home of Muse. Um, yeah, so he, he was, was fucking phenomenal bass player. <laughs> he's 
basically the reason I switched to bass. Um, I love Muse. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I I originally tried guitar, um, and it something about it just wasn't working for me, uh, chords in particular. Um, and I was getting into Muse at that time, and I, yeah, I could see like uh, Chris Wilson home playing, and I was like, I, I kind of want to play that instrument yeah, yeah, instead. Yeah. That kind of it does make it look it does make it look cool. Um, yeah, and then. Um, there's also Steve Harris, you know, cliche answer for metal bassist, but um, I, I made a name. Yeah, yeah, I made a name. This is where I should say Geddy Lee, but I've not actually listened to that much Rush. I'm not a huge fan of Rush. Um, uh, like I should like Neil Peart is a phenomenal drummer, but I'm just like I just never could get quite get into Rush. I've I have struggled. I do want to try and give him like I find it all a bit thin, time. but thin on the ground musically for me. Which is interesting because yeah, Muse is quite a sparse sound as well a lot of the time, but um, yeah, no, yeah, no. Respect to Rush, talented as fuck. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah incredible. Um, uh, John Mayung, obviously, um, no, one of my favorites. Uh, I guess Adam Neely, uh, the YouTuber, he's an oh, yep, yep, amazing yep. bassist. Um, he's sort of been the reason I've been like pushing into like sort of like more melodic like bass soloing. Mm. Uh, kind do, of do, do you write? Do you write Flea from Chili Peppers? Um, nah, I've not actually listened to the Chili Peppers. He's much. pretty, especially live. He does like he's actually a very talented bass player because the Chili's are another very bass-driven melody because uh, Frusciante's guitar style is very ethereal and over the top. So um, you know, floating over the top, not like over the top grandiose, but like it's, it's very light and yeah. sprinkly so the bass carries a lot of the melody very heavily bass and drum driven and especially live they fucking unleash live um you know, a lot of um yeah like a lot of uh like funk players will hold flea up i think for like um slap bass playing but, yeah. um he's a lot of fun to watch as well I, he is a flea <laughs> yeah <laughs> if i had actually if i actually listened to the chili peppers and was inspired by flea i'd probably be able to play slap bass mm. but as is, I'm still not that good. Um, here's a wild card answer as well. Favorite basis, Commander Meowch from Twerp. Um, <laughs> I don't literally know what he's a space me. lion. <laughs> literally a space lion playing the bass guitar. Um, he's amazing. Um, is that why? Is that why you got the hair? You trying to emulate the space lion look? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All I need is like the lion mask, and I could probably just pull it off with good. um with my hair. Space lion cameo um, in uh, Stella Valkyrie win. <laughs> Uh, that's got to be a thing. <laughs> yeah. That's a thing. Just like taking notes. <laughs> uh. Scumhead, jaw, space line. <laughs> For reasons. Um, just, just do it. <laughs> uh, just one more favourite basis, I will say. Uh, Frederick Leclerc, um, X Dragon Force. Um, because, I mean, I know everyone hates them, but they were my gateway band. Mm. And I, won't tease, I, I, won't tease you about it. I won't tease you about it today, I promise. <laughs> Thank you. Um, like when I was when I was starting to play bass, um, they were my favorite band. So, mm. you know, I spent a lot of time learning um, Dragon Force songs. Oh, I didn't play them properly back then, but I think... no, I can. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually at, I'm I'm technically at the level that I wanted to be when I was starting. That's good. Is, um, that's 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 that's, cool. that's not nothing actually. Um, if you can look back, it's like I'd like to learn how to play these songs, and like you're like I I can do that now. I've hit, hit, hmm. I've hit a goal, um, and uh, as much as I do like to to um, <laughs> tease you for liking Dragon Force, two uh, candy. I did. Li- I think I've I listened to them when they were kind of at their worst, um, um, but also yeah. Gateway bands. Good, 
get people into into good music you know um fuck people who say oh it's mainstream um uh, if it's if it gets gets you into something and opens up uh, new genres to listen to uh, uh that is a, a force for good in the world yeah and honestly in defense of dragon force i think like the mark hudson era um more recent is actually they kind of addressed like a lot of the main issues people have with them like the i mean the general sound is still the same but like there's definitely more variety like yeah, have, like sort of darker progress so, uh, that's probably not going to stick though because that was frederick leclerc the bassist and he's right gone now. right 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 um he wrote some of my favorite dragon force songs as well as some of my least favorite to be honest <laughs> but in songs like the sun is dead absolutely amazing for me oh, maybe, I'll, maybe i'll have to give them another chance and check some of them out because i do like my power metal uh, and my criticism of of them was way too repetitive. Uh, we're talking back in shit, yeah. probably two thousand and nine, two thousand ten. I think they came here. Um, I think my favorite my favorite album of like the original era is probably the last one they did in two thousand and eight. Um, the earlier stuff doesn't appeal to me as much anymore. I have mm. to say. Um, I would say if you're going to give them another chance, I'd say check out Maximum Overload or mm. Reaching Into Infinity. The albums, do, those are probably the most diverse. I do know that name. Uh, the bassist, yeah. yeah, the bassist had a lot of um, input on those albums mm. uh, with the writing. Oh, that's because like that, that's relatively rare. I think looking at like writing credits and stuff, seeing uh, outside of prog, um, you're know, having a bass player have a heavy input on on songwriting, particularly metal. I think like bass players are often mm. a bit relegated. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the thing as well with this guy, like he's actually. Probably a better guitarist than Lee and Sam Tottenham. So being a better guitarist than Herman um, Lee—that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, he's um no, he's a bloody good guitarist. Because um, actually, uh, Herman Lee didn't want to recruit him as a permanent bassist because of how good he was at guitar. <laughs> it's like you, you don't come do this. You're better at this. Yeah, you're, yeah. No, it's only the... but, um, yeah. Anyway, that's that's my that's my Dragon Force tangent for the stream. <laughs> I suppose it had to happen. No, no, it's uh, you're the guest, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll allow it this one time. <laughs> remember, any, anyone who wants to give me shit for liking Dragon Force, remember you all like Blood Rush for some reason. That wouldn't have happened. <laughs> that wouldn't have happened if I didn't like Dragon exactly, Force. So. Exactly. Like we said, out of out of <laughs> good, good uh, out of great tragedy, great uh, good things can, can arise. <laughs> um. Is <laughs> uh, a is a, a question from Bobby. Um, what uh, what was uh, the most formative project for you? I guess we're going to talk um, compositionally, um, and that could be something either you uh, listened to or, or made yourself. But yeah, was there something that kind of defined you as a as a composer? Yeah, I think at least as far as things I worked on concerned, I think that'd have to be TNT Revolution. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's a bit of a cop out to just use the first one. Um, no, I think, like, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, um, because that was like, because I mean, I did the Plutonium MIDI pack before that, but then like, as I said earlier, like then I was approached to write the MIDI for Transduction, and then when Revolution split off of uh, TNT two. Um, they uh they hit me up again. It's like okay, we're gonna go we're gonna go with like an entirely original soundtrack for Revolution. Um, do you want to do some things? And like mm. that gave me like like the early experience of like just like 
writing for maps that didn't already exist. And here's, here's a lot of here's a lot of slots or, you can just like get into it and yeah yeah yeah. Because like there were a lot of um, like tracks I started for Evolution that just never made it. Like I just never finished them. Um, so yeah, there was some. That was um, I think that was very uh, formative. Mm. As uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, the second question was about uh, musical practice, and I think we've covered covered that pretty well. Um, so here's um, here's one from Jimmy, and we have we have talked a bit about the, uh, half of this question, but yeah, what do you, if it, uh, how did you find the transition from working with General MIDI to film digital audio production for commercial games? Um, difficulties and obstacles. Uh, clearly, that's looping. <laughs> yeah, shall we get me started on looping yeah. again? <laughs> but I think. Um, you know, you're already making songs like that for things like Elementalism, um, you know, of that yeah, sort of digital so, production. Well, see, this started um, in uh, 2017 when I decided, like, okay, I want to get into, like, this digital production stuff. Mm. Um, so I figured the easiest way I could do that was just to remake my middies mm. um, uh, with, like, yeah, you know, live instruments, etc. Um because again, it was like sort of like the reverse of um, what I said about MIDI earlier. It's like it's a great MIDI is a great way to hone your composition skills without worrying about production, which is an entirely different field. So in remaking my MIDIs, I could just focus more on the recording and the production while not worrying about mm. the composition. That's, that's you know, there, there's a reason. There's a reason. Like you know, with albums from bands, like there's a dedicated role of producer. It's a full-time fucking job. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an entirely different beast. Yeah, so. yeah, it's definitely its own skill Yeah, so I'm back on that project. And I mean, honestly, a lot of them just aren't very good, uh, the remix, but that was kind of the point. Well, it's interesting um, you say that. Know, I, I was going to say, my, I think the first song of yours I heard was your, your full rendition of The Forgotten God. Um, that's one of the better ones. Yeah. Um, and and when you I followed that up, I followed that up with the... Well, that came between because that was the Revolution MIDI pack. Mm. Um, so before that, there's the full rendition of Beneath the Stars. After that, there's the full rendition of Haze. Beneath the Stars is not great. Haze is probably the worst of the bunch, <laughs> actually. For the time I made it, that is probably one of the best remakes I did um, out of those early ones. And then it was like sort of sandwiched between two really bad ones. And yeah, the remake of Haze was terrible. Why do, you, why do you think that one was better? Were you just just bit of luck or better original song? Or I think, I think it was just. Um, I think it was just a case of uh, just like luck, I guess, because um, they were very different tracks. So, like, I was trying to lean into the atmospheric nature of Haze a bit more, mm-hmm. um, and ended up just like completely overdoing it with the reverb. <laughs> um, so, so um yeah so like but that was like that was kind of the point was like i never was setting up to like make them bad obviously but it was there as a learning experience mm. oh, exactly. so you know um you know with haze like because it was terrible like i later understood why hmm. i was able to like avoid making that mistake in the future that's um again it comes back to, like that that's time well spent then um, um and yeah I- so like, i don't I, I like. I wish it had been better, but I also don't regret. Mm. I guess um, how bad it is. But you know, if people go into my YouTube, just listen to the original midi. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's funny. Like, don't, um, don't waste, 
don't waste your time with the remake. And Taras's question about what's your, you know, if you've got a signature track, and like for me, I was like, forgotten God. That's the the one that jumped out. It's like this is the quintessential Tristan sound. Um, love that song. I do like that chord progression. Yeah, it's I use that one a lot. It's, um, yeah, got beautiful melodies. Got some bit of heaviness in there. It's got that, yeah, that kind of slight neoclassical power metal undertones and yeah um and um i think yeah that translation um you know adds i think it actually adds to this song uh, for me at least um that you know the the complexity of the original composition is is well reflected in a, a full digital production yeah um, because like the original the midi is like kind of restrained by the polyphony limit mm, as well um mm, polyphony polyphony poly- i don't know polyphony I, um it's one of those but words yeah, I've like, seen written down but never heard actually said. <laughs> yeah, it's but like that's um like it, it, it does affect that track. Like there's like towards the end, like I think the organ cuts out a bit and it's like, okay, yeah, that definitely benefits some like mm. the fuller arrangements. For sure, for sure. Um not being restricted. Question from Zen. Is there a genre that you'd like to tackle in the future? I mean you're obviously getting into some synthwave now, which is new for you, but is there anything else that kind of uh, tips synthwave you? Yeah, jazz. Um, I've not done. I've not done much jazz because that's again that's like quite a recent um, sort of interest. Mm. Um, quite a different style, know, like you know, walking bass lines, and you might have to learn a bit of slap. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, yeah, because like um, I did um, in my second year of uni, I was um, the bassist. Well, a bassist in the uh uni's jazz band um which was um you know very um out of my comfort zone though because like i mean i can read music but i can't read bass clef that well and Mm. i cannot sight read (laughs) especially bass clef um so that was very challenging but Mm. i eventually did get a feel for the songs uh some of them like because i mean there was another bassist so like if there was something i couldn't do i'd just give him yeah (laughs) uh, (laughs) <laughs> just give him the lead um but no that was um that was a i really enjoyed um my time doing that and it's a shame uh the pandemic uh shut it all down mm. um i would have liked to have done that for uh the rest of my time at uni but just wasn't able to sadly mm. um but yeah no i definitely want to um like off the back of that do sort of more sort of like big bands kind of music that'd be cool um I don't know if I should say this, but like the scrapped in the keep game, uh, what's going to have a jazz soundtrack? <laughs> I think I can say that. That doesn't really give much, that doesn't give much away about yeah. what the game was, um, but it was going to be a jazz soundtrack. Mm. And um, also, I don't have it yet. Um, it's been delayed, but my fretless bass. Once I have it, Ooh, yes, it's going to be a lot. Um, it's going to be a lot better uh, suited to yes. that kind of music. Yeah, anyway, kind of playing around the note that jazz is so good at. Mm. Yeah, and it's like. They they sort of inherently sound more like uh, well upright bass. Upright anyway. ha- yeah, well, the upright has no frets. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you get the kind of thicker note. Um, yeah, uh, that's the, yeah. I'm definitely I'm very excited for ooh, that. Okay. Um, to, uh, Good shit. Um, what what brand is uh, your favourite bass? It's from uh, um, from Warren. Well, I guess I'm an Ibanez guy. Ibanez. Um, good. Yeah, good, good metal brand. The Ibanez. Yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't like played loads of um, different basses. Like, like the one behind me here is basically the only bass I've played mm. in like the last ten years or something. <laughs> um, you know the, the amount of time I've had it. 
Um, so, and the fretless that I'm getting is also um, an Ibanez. Uh, Musical instruments are so yeah. expensive, it's kind of hard to just go and buy a bunch and experiment with them. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, yeah, it's like you'd have to go to like a guitar shop and like try a bunch out, yeah. basically. Um, not really possible at the moment. Well, no, I guess it is. But, yeah, certainly a bit, um, a bit more awkward. Um, yeah. <laughs> what is Ding? Um, what is Dingwall? <laughs> um, Dingwall basses have a really nice sound from what I've heard of them. Right. Okay. So that wasn't just a meme um, from Warren. <laughs> no, that wasn't a meme. Like they are, they are like properly nice basses. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm relatively. I, I like. I like. I like Ivanes. I'm relatively familiar with guitar brands, but definitely not. I think they know other. Like I know Fender make basses and PV, although more amps. Is, uh, PV is amps, I think. Yeah. Um, I think because like, I think the sort of bass brands like that you're most likely to know are the ones that also make guitars, like yeah. you know ESP, Ibanez, Fender. Yeah, I can't think of any dedicated bass brands like that only make basses. Dingmore's the only one I can think mm. of right now. Mm. Uh, Christopher from Creepy Rebel, and we're, we're adjacent to the your favourite bass player question. But what are your biggest? Who has been your biggest musical influences? Um, so not not so much specifically about you know specific artists. Yeah, and, uh, I guess it's like composition. Mm. Um, hmm. Clearly, it's Dragon Force. <laughs> Dragon Force for the power metal. As well as Stratovarius. Mm, yes, Stratovarius. Um, uh, oh shit. Um. <laughs> I mean, I do, I do hear a bit of Dream Theater in your style. I think. Um, the- yeah, the, they've started to creep in as well um, in the last couple of years, mm. especially with that Elementalism track. Yeah. Um, a lot of complexity. Nightwish as well, I guess. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. Like my influences are basically just all the things I like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, you know the Slipstream soundtrack. Yeah, what are your musical um, influences? The good yeah, stuff. The good the, stuff. <laughs> yeah, the PlayStation Doom soundtrack mm. for Dark Ambient. The Medal of Honor soundtrack for Orchestral, which I haven't really tapped into that um, yet. But like, that's where I want to go with mm. orchestral music. That kind of yeah. Ah, oh, Michael Giacchino on Medal of Honor Frontline, amazing. Mm. Um. Are there any particular? Yeah, are there um, any? Are there any particular game OST? I mean, you mentioned Medal of Honor, but like and and Slipstream. Um, but are there any other like maybe in amongst the 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 new one, like the Boomer Shooters? Are there any particular like yeah composition pieces uh, get, um, that you're particularly drawn to? From I'd like to emulate that kind of uh, you know, be it a whole shot or a or a Prime Evil or a or a, or a Levy. Uh probably not honestly like um you know like i they're all like amazing like Holshout, levy primeval but their sound is one that i don't really mm. want to go for myself i guess um especially like particularly like the sort of like doom eternal mm. or doom 16 like sort of like industrial gent sounds. Well, you were saying you're not really, a big you're not a big fan of that like crisper, overly produced tone that is very yeah, much. Yeah, I mean it's a, yeah, I mean it's not it's not like I don't it's not like I don't like the music or like what they're making. Um, mm. I think I, I think they're all great, but it's just not what I want to do as a composer. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think so, that's, that's that's quite possibly a strength though. Like not like not going like I want to sound like the Doom Eternal soundtrack. Like I want to make my own thing and then. Because it is hard to make unique 
anything. <laughs> and, yeah, cause, yeah, because I mean, like the Solo Valkyrie soundtrack isn't going to sound like Slipstream. It just mm. like it already doesn't. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. we got and, a you got a bass solo on it. Who puts a bass solo on a synthwave song? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like you know that kind of thing. It's like you d- you don't. I don't want to just like do mm. what's already being done. I just kind of just want to do my own thing and just go like with that. that. Even though, because like the influences are like I've always said like I said like my influences are just like everything that I like listening to. Mm. But like, that all that's all going to get thrown into a melting pot. Like mm. there could easely be like a fucking Dragon Force inspired synthwave mm. uh, at some point in the Valkyrie soundtrack. I so like, I think that would be a fantastic thing to try. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, I mean. There's going to be boss themes, so. yeah, something with that upbeat driving, but you know, with a synth wavy, you know, um, you know, construction. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds like something that would work. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I mean, like, you know, compositionally, genres aren't all that different. I feel it's more about like their instrumentation and production mm. values. Well, it's, like, it's like how I mean, you can design a like if you're designing a level and you you you, you make a room in an environment or arena or whatever how you detail and texture it at the end is what it feels like. You know, yeah, yeah. You can make these walls bricks and all of a sudden it's a medieval castle, yeah, make yeah. it all concrete, well, suddenly it's a fucking culvert, you know, pipe, you know. And uh, same thing with the with music. It's like, what are the instruments that you choose? I mean, you, you pick them first, but, you know, a song that sounds like a metal song when it's guitars will sound quite synthwave if it's made with a synthesizer, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's like, you know, uh, like the four chords of pop music, like mm. the most common chord progression. Whereas, I mean, we call it the four chords of pop. It is in every single yeah. genre. Part the Parker Bell. Have you like, have you seen the Parker Bell rent? It's a musical comedian, uh, and, it, <laughs> and it's like it's the I've, same I've thing. It's the, it, it might I, be. I, can, I think it's the it's, same four it's, chords. It's, it's basically <laughs> the same, mate. Yeah, it's not exactly the same chords, but it might as well be. Yeah. It's close enough. I'll, I'll have to send it to you because it's it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Dude has a breakdown. Um, uh, no, I think that, I think that's um, I think that's a very good point actually. And um, you know, you, not wanting to get drawn too heavily into a specific composer's style, it means that you can sound like yeah. your own style. Which I, I always worry that I sound like an asshole when I'm like saying stuff like that. But it's just like it's not it's not that I don't like mm. that music. It's just like I don't want to do so, that. I want to make my own myself. thing. No, fuck yeah, I like it. I think it's great. <laughs> Be more like that. Um, <laughs> got a question from Arlene. How does it feel mixing the best Celine Dion cover in the world? <laughs> you know, as um, I, whenever I do these shit posts, I seem to outdo myself. It was fantastic. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going from there. That's going to be. How can you top that? How can you top that? I don't know. Like, I mean, at the end, it's just like shit. <laughs> <laughs> so that was um, that was very. I was very much channeling with that entire thing. I was channeling Charles Cornell, um, who did like a bunch of like meme videos where like he was like taking like you know he take like Cardi B mm. uh, Instagram ramblings and like he just play piano. Them. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh god, I love that shit. So yeah. like, so yeah, that's what I'm basically doing when i very high quality like like, the, like all good musical shit posts are there's actually there's talent behind it as well it's just yeah it's yeah it's like beautiful sinos dogs and yes! singing is very... dogs. <laughs> yeah it is it is just take, taking that idea of, <laughs> of um, um 
taking like normal like everyday I guess sounds and just like turning them into mm. music and like actually um, surprisingly good music. <laughs> yeah, because I because I, I heard when Sino's dogs were just like going nuts, like, I could hear like yeah, this there's a, a melody there. There's a, there's a melody so, and there's perfect. and there's a tempo. There <laughs> was a tempo. It works with Okay, I mean the only. Yeah, yeah. As Jimmy said, like the cat memes as well. Like I saw one recently. It was like, um, it's a cat that's like drinking milk and meowing at the same time. And like, <laughs> there's this video of like this guy in Uzbekistan who just like plays like, um, I don't know what the instrument's called, but like he just like makes like a song to this cat that's <laughs> <laughs> drinking milk. And then like, I think TikTok just ran wild with it and yeah. turned it into like an entire jazz arrangement. <laughs> and it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, no, I just love, I, I love shit like that. And um, it's it's fun to have a go at it myself. <laughs> so good. Another another good one for that is um I don't know if anyone knows about like when the uh celebrities all sang Imagine and it was absolutely cringe. Um oh, Charles Cornell, as I mentioned earlier, he he almost saved it. It's still painful to listen to, <laughs> but he did it he did it as an arrangement. He put all fifteen key changes and made like Imagine with <laughs> <laughs> With them singing, yeah. oh, like it, it's still terrible, but there's some honestly very nice key changes <laughs> in there. Like I kind of want to hear Imagine done with like an actually good singer with <laughs> that arrangement. Like that could be really uh, interesting, actually. Very good. All right, we got one more. I think this is a. We'll do this as a first thing that pops into your head. Snap, snap answer. Um, finisher. Oh, no. uh, that's not. That's not a scary question. Maybe it is. What's your favourite MIDI? Come what, on. for me? Or? No, just it, it, any, any MIDI. What's your favourite one? Um, uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit, not mid. Shit, not mid. Yeah. Um, Oops, all bongos. <laughs> Day of Morning by Stuboy. I was talking yeah. about it earlier. You it's were, the first one that pops into my mind yeah, right yeah. now. If that'll do. I think, I think with those kind of questions, if... if if something does rise to the top quite quickly, it's like that's probably close to it. Because for me, it's um, Infinite Sky um, by Zach Siegel. Um, yeah, yeah. That that's always like nah. That, every time I ask me like, what's, you know, what's your favorite movie? It's like that one's right up there. Um, maybe 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 it's Night Rider of Doom, but um, yeah, Infinite Sky is just a fucking progressive metal masterpiece. Night Rider of Doom is another great MIDI artist. Very very power power metal oriented. I sort of like when I'm doing like that sort of um, power metal style. Like I sort of channel him as well mm. as Dragon Force because I mean he's a he's an old school Dragon Force fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, it comes out as rising definitely. Um, yeah, like I think he was like following them like before they even released their first album actually. Um, so I think he's a moderator on Home and Lee's stream actually. Oh really? Ha, that's very cool. Yeah, no, like he's yeah he's he's probably like around. Yeah. Um, that scene, but yeah, no, yeah, really great MIDI artist. Mm. I want more stuff from him. <laughs> Very good. Um, I think that is us. We have been going for a while. Um, some sound issues for for Ty to, to deal with there, um, unfortunately. But um, it is what I'm, it is. I'm not surprised to be honest. Like, I was expecting. I was expecting. I was expecting worse based on our previous history. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, 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 I was. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, it wasn't too bad. So, um, hopefully, uh, hopefully, Ty can weave a little bit of magic uh, from his production and chair. Um, but there's definitely going to be that chunk to cut out. Um, 
But um, <laughs> that's all good. It's part of the fun. Um, anything you want to end on? Final final thoughts? Uh, everyone should wish list Stella Valkyrie because um, <laughs> it's going to be the best. It's going to be the best game ever made. It's definitely going to be the um, be the best synthwave bird space game ever made. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> there's so much competition as well. Like, yeah, very, very crowded field. No, but in, uh, in all seriousness, um, yeah, definitely uh, go check out Stella of Valkyrie on Steam. Um, they've got a Twitter account. Uh, bird, Space Bird Game? On Space Bird Game, yeah. Yeah, on Twitter, yeah, I think it's the handle. Uh, but if you search Stella Valkyrie, it, it'll pop up. Um, and um, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, follow it's me on Twitter. It's in my bio as well. <laughs> no, but definitely follow Tristan. Who um, uh, and you got your YouTube page as well. Um, Tristan, like, Tristan, comment, subscribe. Yeah, um. but I need to get better. I need to get better at um, at uh, uh, plugging plugging the guests' uh, various socials and whatnot. So um, uh, they'll be in the the notes on the podcast and the uh, YouTube video as well. Um, uh, no, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. This is um, a lot of fun. I'm surprised you got you you did it. You got me to talk. Um, I, did, I knew I knew I would. <laughs> quite a long time. I'm I'm a very quiet recluse, and yet here we are, two and a half hours in. Um, I, was, um, I had faith. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for watching. Um, cool. No, thank you. Uh, yeah, thank, thanks again uh, to Tristan and the viewers. Um, like I said, follow Stella Valkyrie um, on uh, Steam. Go wishlist it now. Um, does it have a release date? Uh, no. No. Okay, cool. When it's it, done. When it's done, my favourite release date, that is the right answer. Um, you got, is there a demo planned? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there is a demo plans, but we don't really have a time frame mm. like solid yet. Um, we're still in the process of making it. Oh. I'll pay attention to the Twitter sphere and whatnot for announcements around that. Um, I have been your host, Bridge Burner, and that is us for today. Thank you all for watching and listening, and we'll catch you next time.